Inside Foos presents Foos Talk Live. Is the tournament over yet? <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. As it did take about 25 hours for me to get back home. Uh, Jim, Tom, I'm actually still here in Kentucky. Just so you know, I'm still reporting. There's nobody there. It's like a weird shining vibe, but it's okay. We'll get through this. It's Foos Talk Live. Are you talking to me? Compelling and lively banter. Are you going to talk to us? Talking foosball foosball was how i measured my value as a man you took that away players and fans promoters and pros unedited and raw talk 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 living in the moment we have a lot of important things to talk about all while practicing social distancing cool we'll talk no big whoop let's get this thing started foos talk Live. Coming to you live from the studios of Inside Foos, it's the 78th episode of Foos Talk Live, brought to you by InsideFoos.com, offering monthly subscriptions with access to some of the most exciting matches ever recorded, plus live tournaments, pre- and post-show analysis, interviews, and original programming. Sign up now at InsideFoos.com. Also brought to you by ProtectoFlex, the world's premier foosball safety accessory. Go to Protecto-Flex.com. Brought to you by RodLock. Practice more, reach less. The best practice tool in foosball. Visit Rod-Lock.com. Brought to you by 518 Prints, one of the best printers of promotional items and foosball apparel. Visit 518prints.com. And brought to you by Foosballers the Movie. This Joe Hasling of Foosball documentary now available as a worldwide download at Foosball. Ballersthemovie.com and brought to you by the USTSO, helping into uh, helping to usher in a new competitive foosball era. Become a member at USAFoosball.com. And yes, brought to you by Foosball Clubs USA, promoting foosball through school systems all over the United States. Make a donation today at FoosballClubsUSA.com. Well, hey there, it's Tom Robinson, episode number 78. As we uh, step into full, a full uh, weekend of October, uh, looking forward to uh, having lots of fun this evening, talking about foosball, as we always do. But of course, you know, the best way to talk about foosball is with a, another person who happens to know all about this sport. How about uh, the greatest foosball play-by-play announcer of all time? Jim Stevens. Welcome, Jim. You give me way, you give me way too much credit there, Tom <laughs> Robinson. I don't know that I know all about it. You know, I feel like um, I'm always learning something new when it comes to foosball, um, whether it's from history or whether it's, uh, you know, how to play the game or whatever. So yeah. I don't know it all, but, but we've been around long enough to know a little something. I think you know enough. Let's put it that way. You know, d- enough to be dangerous. That would be, would that be a kind way to put it? Yeah, no, that that would be. And in okay. fact, I've been playing a little more here locally. Um, um, you know, m- my wife and I, of course, play here at home. The kids are playing as well. We've gotten out a couple of times to the garage, uh, which is the name of a, of a large pool hall here in uh, in Durango. The garage. I've uh, gotten out a few times. Yep, the garage. Oh, okay. Uh, to get out and play a little bit. We had some guests come in uh, from uh, from the Front Range over uh, Denver area, or actually yeah. the, the uh, Leadville, Leadville, the highest town in America, by the way, about Leadville. 10,000 feet. What? Uh, and they came in to Faye Redazzini. And um, and and uh, Austin Watrous came in from, and we played a little with them the other night. So I've been playing a little bit more and, and really enjoying it, having some fun. Very nice. Yeah, no, it's it's good to stay practiced. I know that you and I briefly got a chance to play uh, when we went to the Lexington, Kentucky Tornado Championships, and you've got uh, you've got that uh, pretty mean uh, push kick there. Yeah. Pretty, pretty yeah, that's stuff. what they say. Um, you know, I just shut my eyes and hope is what happens. But, you know, people ask me, they say, Jim, do you, do you get a chance to play? You know, and I had to think about it this year. Right. Because oftentimes I will play an event here and there, maybe a senior event or a DYP or whatever. And I was thinking about it. Have I, I don't think I've played a single event this year, although oh. I have no memory of the um, 
of, of the of the Florida event this year. Right. Uh, the, the but I don't know whether I played there or not. But um, but but for the most part, no, I haven't. It's usually us hopping down onto table two or table one and knocking it around as we did at, yep. uh, at the Tornado Championships. And speaking of knocking it around. We've got some some big action coming up in the next few weeks. Yes, uh, with state championships, we've got the, you know, next weekend already, right? The mm-hmm. October thirteenth through seventeenth. It's the thirty five thousand dollars Louisiana state championships down in beautiful New Orleans. Oh. Uh, and New Orleans is great. You know, obviously the foosball action is great, but the food down there, of course, is right. probably second to none. Amazing. The atmosphere and the going music. down to Bourbon Street. Yeah, oh yeah, the music, the jazz, so every kind of music. And there's such a mix of people down there, right? For so many yes. different cultures. So everybody looking forward to that one. Um, and then uh, the week after that, there's actually two events. So one up in Michigan run by Michael Stahl, yep. uh, the Michigan State Championships. We talked to Michael last week about that. That's going to be exciting. And also our good friend Brad Lorene and company are running the Northwest Open up in uh, in yes. Portland, Oregon. Right about that. That same weekend. That looks yeah, really so cool. That looks, that, is that uh, Brad's first event or has he done this kind of thing before? No, Brad Brad has done pretty much everything for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so he, he, has, he has done it. He's got some help on this one. David Kala and his software, and a few other the uh, the the veteran local uh, Northwest players up there as well. Uh, of course, Brad Lorene, the man behind the Rod Locks as well, and that's uh, of course a sponsor of our show, a sponsor of Inside Foods, and a yep. sponsor of this event as well. Yep, and then November 11th through 14th, Colorado State Championships, yeah. uh, thirty thousand dollars this year. I was talking to uh, to Tommy and Sherry Chapman, the promoters of this event uh, mm-hmm. last week, and Inside okay. Foods will be there to cover it. Nice, um, but they're going to have. 70 tables at this event 70 they're anticipating they're talking five or six hundred players wow um you know that may be a little high but maybe not who knows the way things are going these days but that's november 11th through 14th at the double tree in thornton just north of denver uh and that's tsk promotions running that one that's going to be a lot of fun that's always one of the best tour stops of the year Yeah, i was going to say colorado has that reputation of being what uh in the top three uh tournaments of the year yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it's it's run very well. There's such a tradition and such history in, in that neck of the woods. And it's it's always recognized with the Colorado Hall of Fame ceremony each and every year mm. where they induct uh, legendary players, promoters, et cetera, from uh, the Rocky Mountain State. Uh, and of course, it, it holds a special place in my heart, uh, although I still consider myself a Californian. I've lived here for now for 12 years, so I'm okay. definitely a Coloradoan yeah. uh, as well. And uh, and so it, uh, it's very close to my heart and looking forward to, to being there to cover that one once again. No doubt. Looking forward to that. Well, you know, the, there's been so much happening uh, in the last six months now with competition back in action. And we've been so fortunate in so many ways to uh, to bring on some new folks, uh, hearing some new voices, especially with Inside Foos. Uh, not the least of which is a guy who's been joining us on a regular basis now for Foos Talk Live. All the way from Ventura, California. Understand he, uh, he can uh, put together a mean egg roll. Uh, his name is Adam Gilson. Hello, Adam. Ventura Highway <laughs> in the sunshine. I, I've, I've turned are into Mark Torres. Are you, you doing the Mark Torres routine? Is I'm that doing Mark Torres. Oh, man. Yeah. He's not and, and, and also, that. Tom, you know, Adam and I know how much you love the band America. And so, Adam, Adam, <laughs> don't we always, we try to bring a little America uh, to Tom. You guys know how to hurt a guy. You really do. Really Hi, my are. name's Adam. I don't know if you wanted me to join. Or are you just talking? Anyways, yeah, no, it's it's a pleasure to be here as always. And yeah, I like I like sticking it to to Tom every time we get a chance to bring up America because I don't understand why he hates that. Well, I don't understand why he hates this country. Is really what that hang comes on, down. Hang on, hold on a second. Man. Wait a minute, you said you hate America. Wow, Tom. I, you did say that. Yeah, I, I okay. Let me clarify. Yeah, it's a one to one. There is it's there's, math. There's there's hate. Yes, there's that's one thing. <laughs> but then there's there's also the the fact of the matter is that for 
I don't know, two, maybe three or 4,000 times of hearing the same song again and again and again, one does tire of it. And it, and it's, I think it's legit to say, if I ever hear it again, I'll, I'll kill myself. But well, the problem is you, know, you have that, never been through the desert on a horse with no name. Yeah. That's the big problem. Once you do True. that, you're so and you And you've never had a sister with golden hair. So True that. It's, True no, that. Yeah. And I have. I have a sister yeah. with golden hair. Oh, wow. God. Okay. Well, either way, it's a pleasure to be here as always. And you guys said a bunch of stuff and I was following along and I took notes, but then I lost my notes. So yeah. Um, okay. I, I will tell you though, I still think the in and out burger is the best fast food burger. That's all I have to say. What? Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And it's not a California <laughs> I thing. Bait. I will not take your bait. I'm there it is. You. There he is. I knew you were going to come <laughs> out. Fishy, fishy, me. fishy. Play to me. Now, Clay is, is uh, of late has uh, has been uh, gracing our airwaves as uh, really uh, extraordinary interviews that he's conducting with uh, foosball players of all stripes, including Adam Gilson, I should say, coming up this Tuesday with Shooting the Shot yeah. and Clay Toomey. Uh, we have to, well, put a disclaimer on this one, but uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, the disclaimer is that In N Out has the worst French fries in all of fast food. Hey, don't stop on my pain, man. Okay. It's In N Out. Just so you know. That's why they call it in and out because you eat their fries, they go in and then you throw them up because they suck. They go in and they come no, right back out. Stop, stop. Yeah, that's what a hamburger fry. is all about. Um, Man, Jim, you're on right now. But, but, but really, let's, uh, let's move past the burgers and talk <laughs> yeah. a little bit about shooting the shot, uh, which has yeah. just been, yes. you know, it's, it's sensational. It is, it is different, I think, than anything that has been done before. I mean, certainly, Clay, you always have been more of a conversationalist than an interviewer. Mm-hmm. And that certainly is proving true here because you've drawn so much out of your, out of your interviewees, you're out of your uh, the folks you're having conversations with. And uh, kudos to you for, for just uh, really doing a masterful job. Oh, it's great. Uh, really good. Yeah, really the pleasure is mine. I mean, foosball is full of interesting people. You know, people people get lost in the game itself and, and forget that there's humans that are holding the rods. And, and they're they're just fascinating. So it's it's easy, frankly, to just sit and chat with them because they're just so damn fascinating. In my right. Opinion, so Yeah, some great yeah, stories. It's, it's a lot of really fun. good stories. And sometimes you just never know what's going to come out of, out of our mouth. Yep. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and, true story. And, and to that point, uh, the, the trigger warning thing, because uh, Clay interviewed me when we were at Worlds, and um, I, I knew we were going to be talking about foosball, but I know how good Clay is at just being like a, a good place to just chat. And one of the kind of the darker places of where I was back in the, my, the, my touring days in the early 2000s, um, you know, mental health issues and uh, suicidal things and stuff mm. like that came up, and mm. it was intense. But but I'm glad that we got to talk about it because I'm a huge uh, proponent of mental health and taking care of yourself, as is Clay. So um, yeah, uh, it's it's just it's it's a it was it was a difficult episode. It was a difficult thing to do, but it was also felt good to do. So yeah, sure. I'm looking forward to hearing sure. it. Yeah, yeah. looking yes. forward to that as well. And uh, that's Tuesday. Tuesday releasing. Yep. Um, what is this? The third. Fourth, 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 fourth episode. Fourth, yeah, fourth episode of, of shooting, shooting, the shooting the shot. And yep. we have to be careful every time we say that. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but really looking forward to it. So keep up the good work, Clay. And thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Really appreciate it. You know, and all this talk about uh, Frank Talk really makes me thirsty, I got to tell you. Uh, what Jim and I like to do right about this time is to reveal uh, our favorite IPA. And so, what is in your sweaty palm, Mr. Jim Stevens? Um, well, you know, um, and I don't even remember what I did last week, and I'm hoping it's not the same beer, because last week I had some friends come in from, uh, okay. from San Diego and brought me some beer from, from the Alpine Brewing Company, and if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. Um, but it's the Nelson, which is it's the Nelson IPA out of Alpine Brewing Company, which is, I don't know, 60 or 70 miles uh, east of San Diego. 
And of course, we, we I know we talked about in the past, really, San Diego, the mecca of um, of, of, of IPAs. It's yes. really kind of where it all started in, in San Diego. And so even if I'm having it for the second straight week, it's because they brought me 12 of them. And I'm uh, I'm really enjoying them. So it's the Alpine IPA, perhaps once again, nice. uh, as, uh, as as we're enjoying a, another outstanding IPA. And, and one thing I didn't know about it: when you go to the Beer Advocate online, it is the number two rated beer in all of America. Really? Uh, as far as IPAs go, yep, ranked number two. What is the website? Uh, that's. Uh, Pardon me. What's the website? Where Where do you go to, to find that? Uh, beer Advocate. Yeah, the Beer, beer Advocate. Advocate. Okay. Beeradvocate.com. Beer and it is, uh, it's, it's ranked number two and in, in, in for good Ooh. reason. It just has such a good, strong, um, it's kind of a golden rye IPA is mm. what it is. An outstanding hop from New Zealand, the Nelson, Nelson Sovin, is generously used throughout the brewing and dry hopping of this unique beer. European cool. rye is added for a smooth, multi-addition to flavor. And awesome. it really, you know, a rye can be over a little overbearing, but in this case, it's used beautifully and subtly, and I'm really enjoying it. Man. I just, I think you just sold the, the, the whole company right there. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam, what are you partaking of? Well, you know, you were saying earlier um, that I've been, um, actually, I think Jim was, was saying that I've been kind of getting more involved and immersed in this uh, uh, um, IPA oh, thing. Jim and I like but I'm still, not, I'm, oh. I'm still not above just buying something based on the way the can looks. Right. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So I bought this really cool, uh, it's a Seattle brewery, Fremont brewery. Uh, Disco Wolf. It's a hazy double IPA. Ooh, oh boy! And and I got to tell you, um, I've had it sitting for about five minutes in my chilled glass. Mm-hmm. This is delicious. It's 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 really it's it's a little bit hoppy, but it's this really nice citrusy grapefruit forward flavor. And if anything, um, it almost harkens back to an ale, but it's not. It's it's oh. riding this really interesting line. So I don't know. I, I've never had anything like it, but it's really really quite good. What's the alcohol on that? The ABV. It is. I can't even. Everything's fuzzy. I see nothing. Ooh, eight point five percent. Eight point five. Okay. All right. Still on the low end for a double, but still significant. Yes. Are you calling me a wuss? <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyways, it tastes good. That's all that matters. Are How you about you, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, uh, I thought I would uh, do a, a collaborative tonight. In fact, this is a collaboration with Firestone Walker Brewing Company. And, oh, how uh, about that? Yeah, they collaborated with Oma Gang out of uh, Cooperstown, New York. So wow. Firestone Walker pays tribute to brewery Oma Gang, which is one of my favorite local breweries. But uh, they did something called Neon Giants. And it says it's astronomically hazy. Uh, brewed with New Zealand hops. Much like the Milky Way. Yes, indeed. And it is uh, it is a collaboration with our stellar friends of Firestone Walker Tropical and you do know where you know where Firestone Walker is located. It's right up the, right up the 101 from Mr. Adam Gilson. Yes. Yep. Sandy, Been there. correct? Yep. Yep, yep. Good stuff. But then let's pop the top here. I've never had it. Let's try it. Let's try it. Mm, oh, one of these days, we're not going to like one of these beers. Someday, we're not going to like them. I'm, I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Nope. Sorry. That's another good one. That's another good one. <laughs> I didn't like that, that white IPA walls. is a good beer. Oh, I didn't like that white walls. No, that's true. You didn't. Mm. It was that wheat, the wheat IPA, gross. and I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gross. So yeah. So uh, our honor group of the week, we have to. Well, Clay, are you still with us, or are you, are you uh, hanging back? Yeah. No, I'm. I'm here. Okay. What What do you have to drink uh, this evening? I'm having a. Pumpkin spice latte. This is the Starbucks <laughs> signature espresso with steamed milk oh. and celebrated flavor. 
combination of pumpkin, cinnamon, nutmeg, and clove. Oh, are you wearing Uggs? Are you wearing Uggs? Uh, say it again. Are you wearing Uggs? Uggs. Oh. I am wearing on one foot. I have an UG, a single UG, and then on the yes. other foot, I have a Croc. A Croc, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could be California girls. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Crocs and Uggs. Yeah. Oh, All right. Man. So, cheers. Look Good job, buddy. Yes, cheers, cheers to you as well. And uh, cheers to you as well. Here's to our honor group of the week. Uh, the honor group of the week is actually relatively new to the scene. Uh, this is Rock City Foosball. Rock City is nice. actually from Rochester, New York. Oh. Uh, Scott Sweeting and the gang uh, have uh, formed Rock City Foosball, and uh, we wish them the best of luck. Another great organization within the state of New York. So I'm biased. But, Interesting. You know. uh, Rock City it reminds me of a location that I played at in uh, 1978 through 1980. Located up on Hollywood Boulevard, right next to Grauman's Chinese Theater, a place called Rock City. Ah. They had eight tables in there. It was spectacular. It was an amazing thing until it crashed and burned. Oh, crashed and burned. But burns. it was a lot of like, fun. Like burned down. You know what else ground? is going to be a lot of fun is we have tonight on the show as our special guest, a guy who is coming off truly one of the most historic performances mm -hmm. in the history of foosball, unexpectedly to some degree, right? You never, nothing's unexpected when it comes to this guy because he's truly one of the tremendous talents to ever play. But to come out and do what he did, we're of course, we're talking about Ryan Moore yeah. and what he did at the Tornado Worlds this year, winning singles, winning doubles, winning mixed doubles, after really not playing much for a couple of years and really not necessarily being all that interested in foosball, or at least the playing side of it, for a, a number of years. And, and understandably, he was raising two young children, uh, relocating uh, to, I think, Tulsa, Oklahoma area, et cetera. But to come out and do what he did, oh. and we're going to talk to him about it tonight here on the show, Just amazing. was truly remarkable. What would I be understating the case to say that if you're not there in person necessarily to see Ryan and his, his, his quadruple performance of the of the of the weekend? Yeah, uh, that's true. If, if you were not there to actually see it, it, it's hard to appreciate. It is, although you can see it, of course, at InsidePoos.com. We've got all of it. Um, but yeah, Brian also won uh, Designated Mixed uh, as well. So an, an incredible, incredible performance from an incredible, incredible player. So looking forward to that yeah, here tonight on Blues Talk Live. I think it's, I think it's um, more than necessary for us to flash back to that moment. With great moments in foosball history, this is a Foos Talk Live flashback. Blake down the middle, blocked by Moreland. Again, Robertson sets, fires, and that's off the man, and in it is world championship point for Blake Robertson and him. Ryan Moore. Look at, look at how much fun he's having. That's a scary Blake. I'm having fun, Blake. Taken away here by Blake. Can't connect on the pass. And we're going to get a got him. I'm not sure Tommy completely agrees. They're going to award it to Blake Robertson, who has a chance. To win it, he trusts Harry. Yeah, yeah. For the 2021 championship, blocked on the first ever by Moore again. Blake Robertson jumps in home, and there it is. Jackson, Mississippi's first world championship <laughs> open doubles. You gotta love it in honor of his great friend Daniel Coulter. Blake Robertson closes the deal with authority as Blake Robertson and Ryan Moore add the 2019 multi-table at the 2021 Tornado Championship to their resume. Wow. 
Great stuff. Listen in next time for another great moment in foosball history. It's Foos Talk Live. Uh, was that was that Mark Torres uh, giving commentary Torres. there? Was he? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, doing the golf golf yeah, call yeah, yeah. Uh, up close to the. I was, I was there too, but I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. it was just, I heard you. It was just, you, you no, said I, all I said was wow, because what else are you going to say? <laughs> yeah, right. That's about it. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask Mark if Mark was on the show tonight. You know, you know, he was just sort of sitting behind Adam and I, and just sort of, oh yeah, look at that. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah. He, it was he like trusts, he trusts Terry. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of interesting. Um, interesting is like having a stalker sitting behind you watching. <laughs> it was a lot like that. Yeah. yeah. It was uncomfortable. He was using. Yeah. Hey, Maggie, what are you doing later? That kind of thing. I was like, all right. Who's Maggie? Oh, no. <laughs> Keep calling me Maggie. No, so, but, th- but again, you know, what, what they accomplished, Blake Robertson, Ryan Moore, after winning in 2019 in, in Murcia, Spain, you know, the, the multi-table doubles world championship, to come back and do what they did this year and do it in such fashion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Ryan Moore, in my opinion, you know, the best goalie in the world, period, uh, when he's back there doing it. Um, if, if he was to play back there full time, he would unequivocally, in my mind, be the best goalie in the world. No question about it. Maybe sure. one of the best goalies we've ever seen. Um, and then to have Blake just play at such a high level so consistently. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little more about Blake a little later on. But but what a what a great performance and what a great weekend for Ryan Moore. I think the, the most extraordinary thing to see that uh, live, of course, was amazing. But uh, to watch what was happening in the, pr- the prior uh, match, uh, of course, Tommy, Tommy, your junior uh, was tearing it up in the prior match you know, before they made it to yeah. the finals. And, and all of a sudden it just switched. Like Tommy's energy and something happened. I think, you know, Ryan just got under his skin or something. I'll have to talk to Ryan about it. But you know what it was, in my opinion, you know, and obviously I think it was the last, the previous two matches that Brandon Moreland basically shut down the opposing forwards right. uh, in those two yeah. previous matches. Tommy, you're doing his thing, but it was Brandon Moreland just completely yeah. taking uh, taking the, the, the forwards out of their game. Sure. And then he came up against Blake Robertson and just couldn't quite handle Blake's quickness well, you know- and, and, and level of play. <laughs> Right, and I think that was the whole thing. The game plan that I was watching those two matches before Blake was going to play them, uh, that match, I was like, you know, Blake's greatest strength is that being able to read the quick shot, and if he can counteract Bre- uh, uh, Moreland's ability to create a defensive picture, then that's going to be yeah. what's going to be the key. Mm-hmm. And he did. I mean, that was it was a beautiful, it was a, a, a great performance. It was it was st- mm-hmm. a stunning. In fact, it was just amazing to see how quickly he was able to to pick him apart. And just make him look like, okay, he's got to start over again and figure this thing yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk about this later as well. But, I mean, how much confidence does it give you to have Ryan Moore back there? And Ryan wasn't really even shooting the ball. Didn't need to. He was mm-hmm. feeding his partner. But Ryan, again, so underrated as a defensive player. Again, I, I say he's the best goalie in the world, not just because he can score two or three a game, but also because he can, on a regular basis, pretty much shut anybody down. Sure. Yep, that was. Uh, and I, I, I have an observation I want to want to talk to him about, but it would just you know because I'm as a goalie, I was watching very intently as to what he was doing, and it just astounded me. I, I never yeah. would have thought of his his technique. I just never would have thought of it. But no, super high end, yeah. super high yeah. end stuff, and a lot of that he got from uh, his former partner Bob Diaz, of course. You know, one of the great defensive uh, players to ever play the game. Right. Very cool. Well, guys, I think we're going to we're going to have some fun tonight, no doubt. Uh, Ryan Moore coming up very, very soon. But, uh, you know, uh, I think, Adam, we have to give you credit because you came up with this week's top five, the topic. Uh, and it, it, it's unusual. I have to say, it's kind of like we have to gaze into the crystal ball to make this happen. But uh, so, Adam, since you came up with this idea, you describe for me what, what is what is this week's top five? 
Well, we're just looking. Uh, so we're starting the final quarter of the foosball season, and it's it's winding down. Obviously, we have a couple, a uh, few state tournaments coming, uh, and uh, then it's pretty much uh, going to be a break until what Moneyball maybe, and mm. if that if that happens, and you know, so I know that we have well, it starts up again in what February March of next year. So I'm just curious, based on what we have seen so far this year, going into the final uh, stretch. The players, the, the the events that are going to be happening, and and the caveat to this is is that we don't know. At least I don't know who's playing. So all of this is speculation of who's playing in the last tournaments. Mm, but it's gotcha. still, you know, my question is, you know, if they are playing, if some of these bigger names are playing, you know, where, what is it they're going to be doing? What is it they're going to be able to do? And and more importantly, um, the competition, you know, reaches apex at Worlds. Obviously, Colorado State's going to have quite a bunch of good players as well, but Worlds is like it, right? So mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see, Jim, what you come up with as far as just competition and everything that's coming on in this last quarter. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of took it that way, but I'm kind of going to branch out. I'm going to come at it from a few different angles, you know, as we look into the future, so to speak. And I do have actually a crystal ball sitting in front of me here, uh, oh. which has proven over the years to be about 75% accurate. Uh, wow. The stories Ooh. about uh, crystal balls actually being 100% are just simply, in my experience, not true. Um, and so I am going to look into the future a little bit here. But I also just have some questions. You know, I, I, we don't really know what's going to happen. So we kind of have to sort of question and say, can this, will this happen? So uh, maybe my take on this, my angle on this, you know, is going to be a little different. And that's really what makes these uh, top five so great is that we do come at it from several different angles and kind of just encourage a conversation, uh, interaction about these topics. So it sounds like uh, you might be ready. Would you be ready? I think so. All right, let's do yep. this. Time once again for the Foods Talk Live Top 5. Five, four, three, two, one. Here's Jim Stevens and Mark Torres. And the part of Mark Torres being played by Adam Gilson got to change this uh, this this promo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're ever going to change that. Just, no, you need to change it because then when Mark comes on, he'll be playing the part of, right. uh, of Mark Torres. Gilson. Yeah. Anywho, number five. So um, I've just got my eye on on, on uh, the turnouts uh, coming up the rest of this year. And one of the ones that's really interesting to me is the one that's uh, been thrown together kind of last minute by our, our good friend uh, Brad Lorene at the, the Portland uh, tournament in uh, Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And my question, what I want to know is that that player base is one of my favorite player bases. And it just feels like it's been a, a, a waiting for years now to just burst out onto the scene, onto the, 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 the you know, the... Uh, the whole circuit, you know, the, the United States circuit, but um, it's always been very contained there. And I'm just wondering if they start getting uh, bigger turnouts to their local events because um, they have Moneyball and they have the Hall of Legends, but it's not always the biggest of tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, this is a five grander. And I'm just curious if for, for given just a month's notice or so, if they get a good, a decent enough turnout, then it, it's going to tell me that that, that, uh, that fuse is primed for next year. Mm. So should we make this official? What? Booze Talk Live Top Five. Number. There you go. Continue, Adam. Please continue. What happened? Did I just do it? Yeah. Well, no. Did I, was... I miss my cue? No, no. You didn't you miss your cue. You, you... I was just messing with you. But uh, oh no, you it's you like... started into your to your your top five uh, number five, but we hadn't heard the sounder. You know that how that goes. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought Kept that. You... 
let's 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 do this over. Can we can we go back and erase that and start over on it? I'll uh, reverse it. Yep, 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 yeah, yeah. So okay, here's here's the the sound. All right. Booze Talk Live Top Five Number. Go Adam, go. I'm really curious what the uh, food's going to be like at the Portland State Tournament. <laughs> the food. That's the story. What? Yeah, just no, no. So the Portland turnout is to me that's going to be a huge thing. Um, I'm just really excited to see how that turnout is because I don't even uh, know for this last minute event that they're putting together a, a player base that's just primed and ready to go on the big scene. If they can pull something together locally at this stage mm. uh, with about a month's uh, notice, that's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. So I'm really excited to see what what it is that they end up doing. So that's your number five. Yeah, I love it. Jim? That's my number five twice. <laughs> Jim? Is it the high alcohol content of this beer that's made my brain I don't know. Slow? And, okay. And Jim, have we lost you? Jim had enough of my my, oh, my missteps. I, I think he's actually, you're going to have to embellish upon what you just said because I think Jim has to reset. But uh, so A third time? Yeah, let's hear it again. <laughs> no, I feel like Brad Lorene because Brad Lorene once had uh, three technicals called on him before his forward even had the ball. And there was 3-0 before his forward had even served the ball. So now I've had to respect... Oh, there's Jim. Hey, Jim. Jim, you back? That was weird, dude. Suddenly, suddenly there was... Just disappeared. Again. Nope. Everything's fine. I could tell it a fourth time if you want, Tom. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I got the gist of it, and thank you for for that, Adam. Oh, oh, I lose you again. Nope, you're here. No, you're here. What you gained oh, okay, was. Uh, I'm yeah. hearing, I'm hearing noises. Oh, oh that's what I heard. We just gained something. <laughs> that's I did talking. see something. Just we just said something. No, um, you know, and, and I kind of get the gist of it. And yes, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of food they do have up there. Um, but um, no, that's part of it, and that's my number five as well. Can can the big turnouts continue? I mean, we've set records this year at Texas State, at Nationals. You know, the, the, the beach down, a beat down was, was huge, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, fully sold out, you know, with for their 80 players plus in, in a matter of hours. You know, the, the, the huge turnout worlds, of course, record-setting worlds, or at least the biggest in 15 years or so. Can this continue? Will, will, will Michigan get a great turnout? Louisiana happening next week, who usually does pretty well. Um, and then Colorado State, where they're predicting five or 600. Uh, by the way, let me rub the crystal ball real quick. Um, Adam, there will be 88 players in port for that event. Okay. No. Um, 88. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, wow. it's, a, it's a five grander. It's going to be primarily regionally attended and not a lot of national turnout. And I don't think they're counting on that. I, I love the idea of having regional tournaments supported by a regional place, not right. counting on having a national turnout. I think that's really important. I think it's something we got away from mm. 15 or 20 years ago um, where everyone, everyone tried to be a national event, tried to draw a national crowd kind of because you had to, because we weren't growing the player base. So we still had to cut up that same piece of pie and bring those players into our regional event. But I love the idea of finding ways to grow the sport and then running regional events, not counting on national turnout. Now, obviously Louisiana state, counts on a national turnout. Colorado State as well. These are big, major state championship events. Michigan, upper Midwest, I think you'll be happy with that. Um, and Portland mm. for the Northwest Open, I think they'll be happy with 80 to 100 players. And I think that's pretty realistic uh, sure. uh, to count on. 
Um, but but can we continue to develop players in a variety of ways? Club system still coming. I know we talk about it all the time. We're still coming once things begin to clear up and people are allowed to gather on a regular basis again, uh, in, in you know in a, in a location or homes or whatever. Um, but um, but that's my number five. Is can the big turnouts continue? We'll, we'll see. I, I predict probably that we're going to see some big turnouts here coming up at these events, and uh, I hope so. But we'll see. Yeah, we're 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 uh, we're we're uh, bucking for you for sure. Booze talk live top five number. Four. Well, Jim, in that uh, that uh, your your monologue you just did, you took three of my other top five. So <laughs> I'm gonna make up something. I'm gonna make up something on the spot here. Um, I'm gonna say um, okay. Here's one How about this. So. Uh, I think the the breakout and I, you know, these, these two get kind of clumped together whenever we talk about them. And I don't know if that bothers them or not, but they kind of are like part of the same generational thing that's happening. But um, I would say that uh, Kevin Romero and Brandon Munoz, they had a bit of a breakout tournament at nationals this year. Uh, they were in the top four in both open singles and open doubles. Um, they were threatening at Texas state before that. And they obviously tour have been touring quite a bit when they can't tour. And I was watching their progress through Bardo and at Worlds, and I, I don't know if for them they underperformed. Maybe they think that I'm not sure. Colorado State's going to be a great opportunity for them to um, reassert the, the, um, uh, um, you know, the the way that they were going, the momentum that they had, mm. and I think you know that that's what they're going to do. And I'm just curious. I don't. Again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I don't know what events they're actually, what tournaments are going to the rest of this year. I would assume Colorado State would be one of them. I don't know about the rest, but you know, I'm just curious. Like where, where those guys go? What are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, get they have the great breakout tournament nationals? What happens next? That's my number four. You know, and I like that. And and we did see such a rise early on, you know, coming out of COVID. The first few events with those two players in particular, we're going to focus in on those two Costa Rican players. Although Kevin now an American living in uh, in the greater Denver area, but um, you know I think there is going to be a natural tendency to plateau, and whether that's because you just don't can't find it yourself, and, and speaking from the the viewpoint of, of both Brandon and Kevin, whether you can't continue to do it, or whether other players and other teams are making adjustments to what they've seen from you. You know, it's a combination of things. We're human, right? And there is a human tendency to plateau, mm. to, to go up in fits and starts to some degree. Quick rises, maybe a little drop or a plateau before you go up again. And I think maybe we're seeing a little of that because whether they underperformed, whatever it was, the results weren't there uh, at the Tornado Championships in particular. But I do anticipate, based on what we've seen with these two guys, uh, that we will continue to see that. My number four, though, um, it's about school programs. It's about Foosball Clubs USA. It's about what John, John O'Brien's doing. Uh, and John is a busy man these days. I'll get into that a little bit here in a second. But but can the school programs, as the schools are hopefully going to open up a little bit, although we'll wait and see what happens in these next few months, but can these after-school programs begin to thrive once again? Can we get back on track with Foosball Clubs USA? Because as we've talked about on this program, I know it's such an important thing to both of you guys, Mark Torres as well, um, the, the young players, the school programs, can can they get back to some normalcy? to where the kids can count on uh, being able to play after school. And I know I've had some communication from John O'Brien here this week, so much going on with him. You know, he's the head of the ITSF Education Commission. He's now on the executive board of the ITSF while being uh, on the Foosball Clubs, uh, president and head of Foosball Clubs USA, working with USTSO. So many things going on with John O'Brien. But my question is, can we begin to develop that momentum that we had a year and a half ago or so 
with the kids programs, with Foosball Clubs yes. USA, with 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 these these such important school programs. We talked about them last talked about them last week um, with Daniel and Sandy Luares, and got a lot of insight there. But can we continue to do it? And I think it's up to all of us. You know, and again, that's part of the theme for me is all of us need to continue to pitch in mm-hmm. and 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 on, on several fronts. And we're, t- we're isolating this one right now, but we all need to pitch in, continue to push the school programs. We need to continue to develop players. We need to give kids opportunities to compete, uh, whether they can compete at other things or not. And if you haven't heard last week's show, please go download it to get more information yeah. about this. But for me, number four, moving into this final quarter of the year. Uh, as school has uh, has gotten into full stride in many places, can we get back on track with Foosball Clubs USA and the school programs? I think we can. I think we will. I think we all need to pitch in and make sure it happens. Booze Talk Live, top five. Number three. So my number three is a parallel or an analog to my number five. As much as uh, I'm interested in the Portland turnout, I'm also really interested in the uh, Michigan State turnout. Um, I know that it's the first Michigan State, and what what did what did Michael say last uh, last episode? Quite a few years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it had been yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to me, that's so. So here's what we got, right? This is what's happening. The pandemic happened. It was awful. The, you know, people stay at home. There was so much desire, so much purpose to go out and start playing again. And we saw it in the turnouts and the energy of the tournaments this year. And then this event is happening and the Portland event is happening. And it's seemingly it did this. These things aren't happening in vacuums. It's happening because the people that run these things that are passionate and spill their blood for these things are sensing a desire and a want again for them. And if we have a wave that starts right now that turns into the and doesn't even crest next year, but just continues and creates and carves a new path in the, the, the geography of the, the shoreline that is foosball that we know it. Because Jim, you're right. It needs to be done at the at the regional level. It, it, that's that's really what it needs to be. Like you can have the big tournaments that funnel everybody from you know at the national level, but having regional player bases, maybe the occasional big whale come in from other uh, 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 regions, that's great. And I think if Michigan State can get that momentum and carry it on to the next year and the next year and the next year, I think that's a great bellwether for where foosball is going post COVID. That's my number three. Love no, I love that. And I love that theme. And it's one I think that is so important to, to continue uh, with that idea of having strong local programs, support strong state programs, support strong regional programs, uh, and really count on those individual player bases to support those individual events. Um, for, my, for me, number three, you know, I, I've, I've looked at the back of the, the first three quarters of this year as some players uh, that have excited me that I've been interested in, obviously, with Tony, Tony Sprademan. You know, what can we predict moving forward? Pretty much the same thing we've seen now for more than a decade, just consistent, outstanding greatness. Um, Ryan Moore, you know, obviously what he did at the Worlds, but I don't know that Ryan really moving into this final quarter is going to play much. Uh, Maybe he'll play Colorado, you know, who knows. But um, and, and then, of course, these young players we've talked about, and we'll talk more about that. But the one guy that I landed on, uh, somebody that I, I really wanted to watch some more of, and a guy that has made such progress um, over the past year plus, I'm talking about Blake Robertson. Um, you know, it's not easy. It, it, how many players are in the Table Soccer Hall of Fame? Not a lot, right? A, a small percentage of the players who have ever played the game are actually Hall of Famers. Blake Robertson has now moved into that class. And how difficult is it to go from being a pro to being a master to being an elite, all-time great Hall of Fame player? And that's what I think we've seen. We've seen Blake, first of all, who he, he, I make fun of. He makes fun of me for saying about him for so many years, Blake, a guy that's knocking at the door. Well, he, he busted down that door a couple of years ago. 
Now he has pushed his way through that that envelope, through that 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 balloon, the top of that balloon into the rarefied air of being a future Hall of Fame player. Mm. And so, uh, you know, watching Blake, what he did, it he took it to another level. Tornado championships. He was out of his mind in in a good way. He was he, he was doing it at a level that was that has been really uh, achieved by so few players over the years. And he now is, I believe, a future Hall of Fame player. You know, when you win three world championships, two doubles world championships, a mixed doubles world championship, maybe he'll get a singles uh, as well down the road. But I think you know what that does for your confidence when you when you win these events. You know, and a lot of it too. And this was something we kind of touched on in that flashback, but. You know, back about 2007, I was in Kentucky and these two young kids were introduced to me by Mary Moore. She said, Jim, these are, are two of the great the, the young players that are, that are up and comers. They're out of the state of Mississippi. This is Daniel Coulter and this is Blake Robertson, right? These two guys were, were tied together forever. Well, Daniel Coulter passed away a few months ago and Blake Robertson took that to heart. This was one of his great friends, a guy that, that, he, that he grew up with um, uh, in the game. And you could see that it matured him. It was he was playing for Daniel at, at the Tornado Championships. He was not playing for himself. There was no pressure. He was he was performing outside of himself, mm. right? And and that's kind of what you have to do. You know, you, you watch any great Hall of Fame athlete in any sport. There's not a lot of thought there, right? There's a lot of preparation, and then there's a certain degree of magic that takes place with these guys, right? It, it, it's you can't explain it, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's you know great baseball or football player, or whatever. Um, and that's kind of what we saw with Blake. Suddenly, he moved into the realm of magic, which seems to be a theme tonight with this crystal ball sitting in front of me. Um, but it, Blake Robertson, for me, I want to see what he does next. Does he continue? He is going to continue. I have no doubt that he is going to continue to play at this top three in the world of tornado foosball. I think it's, I think it's Tony. I think it's Ryan. I think it's Blake. That's your, that's your three best players on the American tour right now. And three, certainly are the best players in the world overall. So for me, uh, moving into this final quarter of the year here in uh, 2021, I'm going to keep an eye on Blake Robertson. Booze talk live top five number two. I'll tell you what I'm going to keep an eye on. I'm going to keep an eye on on the slow march of progress that we all have in our games. Okay, some of us are great and get really good uh, really fast, but uh, some of us also are just a work in progress. Um, now, this lady is not exactly a work in progress. She's been great, but she's been dominating women's events for some time. But recently, she's starting to show up in the expert events, placing high, winning, I think, pro doubles, uh, doing just amazing stuff, starting uh, from nationals onward this year, uh, actually t Texas State onward this year. And my question is ceiling. Where's the ceiling for Sullivan Rue? I want to know where she can go. Wow. How high is she going to be placing in pro doubles, how, in pro singles? How high is she going to be doing in open events? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what else she's playing. And I know, I know that she just started her first semester of college. That's life. Things are happening. But I know she's she's smart she's focused she's got the the pedigree to do it if she wants to so my question is my number two is where is sullivan rue's ceiling yeah that's you know my number two is uh, focusing on the young players and we it's kind of a theme we've had over this uh, past year we've already talked about kevin and brandon sam dejohn is in there as well but i'm going to focus in on sully as well since you brought it up um you know i to me and when i watch her play 
I don't believe I've ever seen a more talented lady player. I don't think I have. I think she's taking it, you know, as Tony did, as Ryan has done, as Billy Pappas did, as Fred did. I think she's taking it to a new level. She's setting the, a new height uh, for that bar. Um, and, you know, I too am intrigued by what's going to happen. And I have no doubt what's going to happen. This, this woman is going to, this young woman is going to continue uh, her greatness. It, it's all there, right? All the ingredients are there. Yeah, she's going to college. She'll find a way to balance in foosball. There's no question about it. Um, she wants that multi-table world championship next year. She wants that badly. Mark Torres has already predicted that um, that she's going to get it. You know, I, I kind of am too. I, I don't see, if she plays her game, nobody touches her on Tornado, right? But she's also good on all the other tables. And so after what has been an extraordinary year for her, where if she doesn't win singles or doubles, it's an upset, right? Uh, moving into this final quarter of the year, I'm going to keep an eye on her as well, but I kind of know what I'm going to see. And I think you guys do too. I think we're going to see the continued excellence, the continued growth of Sullivan Rue. And what is that ceiling, Adam? That's a great question. How far can she take this? Yeah, she's winning expert events. Next up, she's going to be winning pro events. I don't have much doubt of that. And then what happens after that? She's going to be winning right. some open titles, mm -hmm. I think, as well as a forward. Now, whether that means a major championship, I think beating Tony, Ryan, or Blake might be kind of difficult for her to do at a forward position, although she can certainly compete with them. But um, state championships, regional championships, I don't think it's at all out of the question. But again, Adam, I agree with you. What is the ceiling for Sullivan Rue? Foes Talk Live proudly presents... The top five. Number one. So this plays off uh, a little bit of what Jim was saying earlier. Um, and to me, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, but it, I think it represents a sea change in how we're saying, seeing foosball being learned, digested, and uh, grown from for the newer generations of foosers. I'm looking at the junior turnouts at the tournaments that are coming up the rest of this year, primarily because it's school time. School is in session for a lot of people, uh, more so than what was happening during the summer. And we, we're talking about the great stuff that the, you know, the Foos Clubs USA has been doing. And we're talking about how we're kind of moving more towards the um, after-school program, football clubs format for growing the foosball player base. And we're also seeing this correlation of uh, regional events, state events, kind of maybe coming back a little bit. And there's just, there's so much, there's so many things, the synergy of what's actually happening now because of the desire and the need uh, post-COVID to, to come together again is huge to me. And it starts in the classroom, the after-school programs. It starts with the kids and uh, uh, having their, you know, parents cart them around. Not like they, you know, not unlike they do with the ASO and Little League. And it's it's incredibly huge and important to me to see what happens the rest of this year when school's in session. Are kids going to still keep coming out and play? Because if they do, that means they're getting the same amount of time and interest in foosball as they would have in some other extracurricular activity like uh, soccer. And so to me, that's my number one, uh, the turnout, the junior turnout, and where we're going for the synergy of that foosball clubs and regional events. Yeah, and of course, I talked about that a little bit as well. And that's, that's super, super, super important. And again, all of us need to pitch in and help on that one. Um, for me, you know, there is a tendency for those of us here in the United States to be a little myopic. Okay. Uh, we are so far, even tonight, we are focused so much on what's going on in this country that we have kind of forgotten a little bit about the fact that foosball is international. And the most important international tournament 
there is, is going to be happening next year. We hope, we think. And that's the 2022 ITSF World Cup and World Championships. It's the focal point of players in this country and in more than 40 countries around the world. And as we move into this last quarter with still some qualifying to do, with still some big tournaments in this country and, of course, in Europe as well, uh, including the European Champions League coming up uh, later in November, including Master Series events and, and, and Championship Series events all around Europe, all designed to qualify players and to increase their rankings as we move into 2022 and head towards the World Cup. There hasn't been a World Cup since 2019. It's going to be three years um, since the last World Cup. And if anybody who's ever attended this event, anybody who's ever watched it on Kazoom or on Inside Foos realizes that this event is bigger than anything. This yeah. is it. This is the Olympics of table soccer. It is. And it also, as we move forward, as we begin to, to that could become comes into focus. And I'm now right now I actually found two more crystal balls. So I'm sitting here juggling three of them <laughs> and they're telling me that it's going to happen. And they're telling me that the players are, this is going to be the primary focus moving forward. Yeah. We're going to focus on the hall of fame classic next year in Vegas. And this year, I think after a two year absence, I think it's going to happen. Yes. We're going to be focusing on events around the world as we move towards qualifying, but all of it is going to be with this uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, the world cup and the world championships, you know, for the world championship event, the ITSF multi-table world championships, the top, top 16 ranked players heading into that event, all get, they're basically their travel paid for. They qualify, they get buys in the event. They don't have to qualify in that morning round. Um, it's huge, right? Hmm. To, to get it, your trip paid for, to not have to qualify, to be into that elimination bracket, to be seated. These are huge things. Uh, eight, top eight women, I believe it is. Top 16 men, top eight women in the ITSF rankings. So players are going to be trying to not only qualify for these events, but also to increase their rankings moving forward in order to be a part of what is, again, the Olympics of foosball in July. I believe it's July of 2022 in Nantes-France, where they get 1,500, 2,000 people in the crowds cheering, roaring. It is a sporting event unlike any other, uh, and it is certainly by far the biggest event in table soccer. So as we move into this final quarter, as players begin to focus in on that, I really am looking forward to seeing how they respond and who ends up on top of those rankings as we move towards that event. So number one for me, the 2022 World Cup. Jim, you got you really know how to put the cherry on the Sunday. That was that was yeah, that's exactly that's where... what my wife says. <laughs> wow. That was that was I'd say that too. Yeah. She likes ice cream and chocolate syrup with the, with a cherry on it. She does. Dang. She loves it. A little little whipped cream. Yeah. There you go. No, that that uh, the World Oftentimes Cup. Oftentimes we serve it in a bowl, even I'm super so... creepy. There he is. Speaking of which, you knew he was going to come. You had it. You couldn't leave that alone, Mark. Did Jim actually compare anything? Let me tell you, huh? Jim's whole top five. Jim's whole top five was: I got a crystal ball, but my number four is Adam's number five. I got a crystal ball, but my number three is Adam's number four. I didn't want to say anything. Well, because you know yeah. what, I was I was going to no, I was right. going to concede right. I was going to concede that Jim won, but only because it was just what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. No, Adam is my crystal ball. No question about it. Yes. I, I was, yeah. There's a euphemism. Mark, I don't really have a crystal ball sitting in front of me. I'm not really juggling three of them. It's I Adam. thought you were good Adam's at juggling. Adam's head is in front of wow. me. I have a, a hologram of Adam's head. Yeah. That is so this funny. is really... Witchcraft is Satan's tool. But listen, you guys, I got a couple of comments on your top five. Okay. So it was very interesting to see. We all watched 
Kevin and Brandon make huge waves. And then you're reminded quickly when the monsters show up, like Ryan shows up at the Worlds. And if Billy were to show up, it changes the dynamic quickly. Rapidly, you realize the top 1%, Blake's entered into there, you got Tony and Ryan. Billy wants to show up, Billy's in there. Then you get a whole second tier. And, and unfortunately, Brandon's in that second tier, Tommy's in that second tier, Tommy Yor, rather. They're a second tier, man. And there's a clear distinction, man. Someone like Ryan shows up, practices a little bit, and you realize the chasm that exists between the real top masters and these top pros that are pushing the envelope trying to break through. So I think there was really, it was a reminder watching Ryan come out and manhandle these guys and change the dynamic. These guys can go to any tournament, show up. These second tier masters can show up and have their way. And then someone like Ryan shows up and it's like, okay, it's a whole different tournament. I want to say that. Second thing is Sully, man. Sully's a monster. She was exposed a little bit and we actually have it on video. So when we talk about Sully, I believe she's going to win the ITSF Women's Championship. I believe that. I believe she can win open events one day. But Todd Lafredo raced her in Designated, yep. and so did Christina Fuchs, raced her. And mm. I got it all on video because I interviewed Todd on camera when after he was done racing her. She has some uh, weaknesses in the three-bar to get to start winning. She'll win the pro events too, mind you. It's if she's yep. going to win open. She's going to have to get a moving straight. She's going to have to have a standing straight. She's going to have to have like two or three different types of straights because the top players will race her push shot. After that, lights out. I think she can win an open event. Big, big lift straight. Yep, that's the one. Todd says yep. it on camera. She needs yep. the she needs a straight like on a half second on her setup, the same way she shoots her long. She needs the big lift straight and a moving straight, and that's it, man. She could beat them. She'll start beating the men mm-hmm. in open events. Anyway, that's my whole. Yeah, story. it's a good thing. It's a good thing that Todd isn't uh, playing the women. I don't think he's playing the women's events um, at this stage. But, but you're right. You're right. And and running into a you know, Ryan Moore defensively, a Todd Lafredo defensively, yeah, you know, Tracy McMillan, et cetera, Bob Diaz if he plays. Uh, no, that that could be a handful for her. And that's what kind of what I said. I don't think she's ready to win the super majors uh, in open events, but maybe a regional, a state championship here and there. She certainly is capable of that uh, for sure. You know, one thing I want to harken back to the first two words that Mark Torres said when he came on. He said. Super creepy, and and I, I um you know and and we agree, Mark. We agree. Your performance in the open doubles final on the year was super creepy. Um, but <laughs> I keep getting, I keep getting. Uh, so I don't know what it is. It's my voice, right? It carries, and whether these guys hear my voice, I got. They're like, dude, we can hear you. We can hear so you. You go to the golf. You. you go to the golf commentary, right? Because yeah. you know what? Yeah. They like maybe the sound of your voice is soothing. They fall asleep to it. My yeah. voice, especially the kind of stuff I'm prone to saying, they look up. They're like, dude. Like I could talk the same volume volume as you, and I'll get in trouble. Or as I can hear you, so I whisper like right. a weirdo. Right. It's your That's curse. a good answer, it's Mark. It's a very very good response. You're welcome. That, that's accurate. You're welcome. Yeah, very accurate. I think he just deflected all blame. I think so. Hey, you know, <laughs> no, guys, we, 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 yeah. we got a guest out there. Uh, yes, bring his him in. Of course, waiting to come on. Well, it it is uh, like I was saying earlier today. Uh, if you have had not gone to the Tornado Championships, twenty twenty one and you weren't there to see it in person, it would really be tough to actually believe that it actually did happen. But it did. A quadruple winner uh, for that weekend. And, uh, it's, you know, he's he, like Mark was saying, he's in that usher, upper echelon. When he shows up, all bets are off. And uh, certainly we, uh, we are so grateful once again to re- return to Foos Talk Live, for, I believe, the second time. It's, uh, yep. it's uh, Ryan Moore. Hello, Ryan. How's it going, guys? Are you blushing yet? 
No, no, I was just uh, enjoying my very simple Corona since you guys are all big oh. <laughs> these big names that I never even heard of. Is it a, is <laughs> it a Corona regular Ryan, or Corona light? To Cerveza. Cerveza. Yeah, Ryan, lounging on a beach in, in Baja, California. Nice, <laughs> nice to, for you to join us. Now, actually, I know yep. Ryan just got off a plane last night coming back from Europe and is a little bit jet lagged, although he thinks not as much as if he had gone the other way. But Ryan, uh, despite all that, we really appreciate you, you joining us tonight. And of course, the primary topic is your performance at the Tornado Championships a month ago. When after basically not playing for two years, you come out and you win singles, doubles, uh, and and uh, mixed doubles and uh, designated mix. Did did you lose? I mean, you lost the opening set of the open singles final, but did you lose a match all weekend? I don't believe you did. No, nope. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't. <laughs> Jeez, man, which is just extraordinary. And and how do you? I mean, obviously, you know, I, I've had this uh, this opinion and this observation of, of of great great players that you can take time off and you still have it mentally. You still have the confidence you can do it, and maybe a little bit of practice to get back into it. But how do you explain taking all that time off, focusing on your family, focusing on other things outside of competing at foosball, but to be able to come back and do what you did, which has only been done by two other players in history. Uh, how do you explain being able to do that? You know, I, I definitely did not plan it. Um, but I can, after, you know, after a couple of weeks of the tournament, I think it's all pretty clear how it happened. Um, you know, I'm at a really, really, good spot in my life i think that's probably my number one reason i'm very confident with everything going on i'm being you know my business is becoming very successful uh, i've got a, a beautiful family um everything that i do whatever i put my hands on right now is successful for the most part don't mm. get me wrong everything got its challenges um but i think that's my number one is i'm at a good place mentally uh, and and within myself um the second thing that was actually surprising and and it was the two year off was a complete fresh start for me. Um, before, you know, we, we subscribed to Inside Foods. I had totally had plans on, on, you know, studying up on competitors and doing all this and that. And I even talked to the Veta about it. And she's like, Aren't you going to watch some videos? I was like, I haven't really made my mind up yet. Whether I'm not really, you know, I'm just going to leave it blank. Well, I didn't. I didn't watch one video. I didn't, I, hmm. you know, the only thing I did is I didn't want to come out and hurt my arm. So I, I practice about uh, seven sessions over two weeks for 20 minutes a session, only shooting two bars, um, just to like warm my shoulder and my arm up. But I think what what really came out of that was two years off. I I forgot how to play everyone, and when I say that, I used to have strategies. I used to have I used to feed off like past tournaments, past events, mm. and I know my competitors did as well. Uh, at Worlds, I just went straight in there with like, okay, I got to relearn this player. So I literally was like on-demand learning versus trying to bring in past tendencies. And I think it allowed me to like uh, adjust and to cope a lot faster to the player. Uh, also didn't have a whole lot of expectations for myself. I guess that would be the third one. I, I wasn't planning on, I, I had, I, I wanted to win doubles. Mm. That was my main focus. And I wanted to win mixed too with the VETA so we could play mixed doubles at the World Championships. Um, and singles is just a cherry on top. <laughs> so yeah, I think those are mainly the main reasons. As, as I'm in a good place mentally, um, I had a fresh mindset playing every single player, uh, and uh, no expectations besides open doubles. Is it Ryan? Is it because you had less distractions in your in your your uh, regular life in your in your uh, personal life? <laughs> um, that's quite the opposite. I have more distractions than ever <laughs> in my life right now. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, no, I got a lot more going on than I've ever had in my life. For sure. 
Right. Understood. No, I, it, it is uh, astounding to, to watch this in person. I've, that's the first time that I've been to a world championships. And I, and I have to thank you personally for, for making it so entertaining. It was uh, truly a blast. And uh, kudos to your mom for putting on such a phenomenal event. Yeah, definitely, man. She she puts she puts so much time and energy into that. Uh, yeah. It's not even just at the tournament. She doesn't sleep at tournaments, but she's she's working that tournament months before and even several weeks after. So sure. people don't really realize what all goes into a tournament that huge, but oh. it, it's a lot. Yeah, it's it's got to be. So, just, yeah, she did a good job. It's mind bending to think about how much uh, you know has to happen. So it, the the total attendance was well over five hundred, correct? I'm not 100. percent I think Jim would know that more than than right. myself. Yeah, five five hundred and eighty-eight uh, total players, almost six hundred. So, with the depth of of players that were there, I mean, were you at all worried when you stepped in? Well, that's the thing. I'm I'm not really worried. So, right. So, it's a it's a hard thing when you get up here, and I think only a few people can really attest to this. Like, when you've already won everything at some point, it's like you have nowhere to go besides mm. to you know, unless your life goal is just to win every single time, no matter what. I mean. You've already been the world champ. You've already done this. You've done that. So, so no, not really. I mean, like, you know, the worst case, I lose. I hadn't played in two years. <laughs> it nice. wasn't going to be, you know, like I said, everything's going so good right now. If I lost the world, it wouldn't be the end of my world by any means. It would have sucked. But uh, if I would have won doubles, my my weekend would have been perfect. I would have been perfectly happy and good to go. But no, no, I, I had no worries. Now, strategically uh, speaking, because you played uh, defense uh, for for Blake Robertson. Was that something you decided in advance? Hey, you know, let's do it this way and, and uh, let's keep it this way and let's see how it goes. Was that something you guys decided ahead of time? Yeah, me and Blake, uh, we've actually played uh, a few times now. Um, and I've always played goalie. Uh, I've never played forward for him. Really? Uh, I think that, yeah. Uh, every, we've played a couple of Louisiana States or like nationals down there. Um, 2019 yeah, so yeah. World Championships in Mercia, Spain, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep, of course, the big ones. Um, and yeah, so so, and I, and I'm transitioning that way now. So my my whole goal moving forward is to kind of primarily be a goalie. Obviously, I still have the option, but I just uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm doing this for like also a fresh start. Um, you know, it's fun. It makes foosball a, a lot of fun for me now because I'm I have a whole new goal now. Is I want to be. I want to declare myself to be the best goalie, um, you know, and, and not just do it once, but over and over and over. Well, you'll have to make the top five in the Foos Talk Live top five, I think, for our best goalies for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's, you might already be there, you yeah. know, and that's something I think I said earlier, and Adam, I know you've got questions for him as well. But, you know, one of the reasons I think you're playing goalie, and I, and I kind of know you, and I've, of course, watched your career, um, you, you kind of need to have fun. You kind of need to enjoy it, right? And when it's the same old, same old, as it kind of got to be maybe for you to some degree, that you said, I need a change. I need to take a, t- take a look at this from a different angle. You began playing goalie, which is fun. You're, you know, you're, you're back there more as a supportive player, although oftentimes uh, you're such a dynamic offensive player. But you, you want to have fun, right? And goalie is fun for you. And I've already stayed, said, if you play goalie, you are the best goalie in the world. There isn't any question about it in my mind. But I think maybe you feel like you need to prove it a little more. But really what it comes down to is your enjoyment of the game and your ability to get up for a tournament. Um, and doing it from goalie seems to, to do the job. Yeah, um, and there's kind of two versions of of having fun. So one is the having fun, Ryan, where you see me, you know, passing it backwards and hitting it forwards and laughing. Uh, the other having fun is actually being just really competitive. And I mean, that that is fun when you're really competitive and you're trying and, you know, you get scored on, you're not like sore loser. I mean, we all get that at times, right? So 
I think my goalie approach isn't the normal have fun that you would see out of me in like singles or, or as a forward. It's more of a competitive have fun. So I'm having fun by being competitive. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely having a lot more fun as a goalie than than, than as a forward of doubles. Uh, and it's uh, it's really good when you play with people like Blake as well, because uh, you know it's it's nice to be able to chalk points for for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. And you've helped Blake, really. And, of course, Blake has come so far in his game right now. It's what a great player he is. But also when you can support the growth of a player like that and, and help him to get to really to, to reach his potential and to be able to win championships from that forward position, that's got to be satisfying and fun as well. My other question for you, and I'm going to turn it over to Adam. Um, you know, we've talked here. We've talked with the Atkinsons here on this on the show. We've talked with Steve Murray both of whom have uh, won championships with with spouses, right? Uh, t- you know, t- uh, Tommy and Kathy, of course, and, and Steve and Gina having won champ- world championships playing together uh, as husband and wife. And it's not an easy thing to do, um, you know, and you were able to do that this year. How special was that? And you also talked about the fact that, you know, there are you've, you've won everything in the sport and you have. You've won multi-table singles and doubles championships. You've won gold medals with Team USA. You've won Tornado World Championships in every event. You've won the Roberto Sport. You tripled it the Roberto Sport World Championships in Poland. I was there. I saw it. Um, but to win with your wife and now potentially win a multi-table world championship in mixed doubles with your wife, first of all, how the heck do you do it? And how special is it? It's great. Uh, I won't count my chickens before they hatch on ITSF. That's always uh, up in the air. It's, it's a lot. Uh, you know, it, it's really cool. Um, again, me and my wife overall, we're, we're really well off right now. We're doing pretty good. Um, obviously, every relationship has its hard ends, but uh, we we went into this world championships with a really great mindset. Um, it was really, I guess the, the best definition of it was a quiet storm. Um, and you know, I, the only thing that maybe I did practice or, or I guess kind of, um, plan for before worlds is like the mental capacity behind the game. Uh, and I, we did have a couple discussions. I wouldn't say a bunch, but we had a couple discussions about just how, how your emotions affect the game in general. And I told her some of the best playing that I ever can do is when my partner's not kicking themselves in the ass after they mess up or, you know, panting and, uh, uh, you know, this and that. Like, if you make a mistake, you just, you know, you just get back in the game. You The second you, you, you make a, you know, a hissy fit about it or whatever, it, it distracts me, you know, and it distracts your partner, it distracts you. It's just not mm. good. So me and her, we had a really good game plan of just really mentality of, of a quiet storm. If you watch us play, we almost never talked. Um, you know, we would win two games and we'd be like, okay, we need to try a little bit harder in this game right here because we know they're going to try harder. So it was kind of the mindset we had. We didn't let, let our guard down and it just, it, it flowed the whole way through. <laughs> and I'm not going to talk too much more, but we, I tried that with Blake. It didn't quite work. <laughs> um, so it works in some cases and it's, it doesn't work in others. Um, so but yeah, that's why I think we did it. We had a we had a quiet storm. It worked well. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, hey, Ryan, this is Adam Gilson here. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, I had uh, been talking to people, letting them know that uh, I was going to be uh, talking to you this weekend uh, on this uh, podcast. And one of the questions that kept coming up was, uh, you know, everybody knows your stellar two bar offense, and everybody knows that you can just unload whenever you want to. But um, there was a, two things that uh, people were talking to me about that they saw that you did uh, at the cha- Tornado Championships. One, you primarily were passing. You turned it on and shot every now and then with Blake, but you were primarily passing. And two, your offense throughout the weekend was stellar. 
could you walk us through that? Like, what what is and you don't have to give away company secrets, obviously, but like, you know, what what is your mindset there? Because it, it seems like both of those things are interrelated. And what is it that you're actually thinking or doing or looking for? Yeah, you know, I, I'm one of those people. Like, if you ever you you guys have talked to me once, or and people talk to me all the time, I give away information, and and the reason why is is because I can key in real quick to see if you know what I'm doing, and I can make a really fast adjustment. It's a game of adjustments, right? You may you may come in and go, oh, he's primarily passing. I'm going to go book his passing. Great, please do because the goal is wide open. Um, so yes, 100. percent I scored three points uh, is what me and Blake counted uh, from the two bar the entire tournament. Um, wow. And and uh, you know the thing is about my my goal back there. I am not the one controlling the match. I'm only the one supporting, as you guys have already mentioned. It's when a good goalie does a good goalie does not score, does not need to score when they have a player like Blake in front of them. Um, so, correct, my my offense is going to be short sprays, going to be passing, it's going to be this and that, and and mostly because everybody is on my shots. Now, the second that people do start getting passing, it's, it's obvious, one, um, you know, it's very hard to not show somebody that you're on their passing unless you're you're just sitting there, and the second that happens, yeah, I'm just going to start blasting you. And that's going to be way worse for your team than me, you know, clearing the ball up. So, um, yeah, yeah. Offensively, it was all passing and short sprays, short, you know, just whatever, uh, short options um, and clears. It, it was not about pounding the ball. It was the second. Sorry, I lost myself there. Uh, the second the second part was about uh, defensively. Just what are you thinking? What, you know, what's your mindset for what is it you're going in for? Yeah, um, obviously, just to, to be a wall. Yeah, um, that's that's the thing, right? And um, you know, I, as Jim even mentioned early on, uh, picking up tendencies of Bobby. Uh, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, if you don't learn from Bobby, you're kind of a fool um, playing goalie. I, I don't want to say you're fool, but uh, you know, there, there's something to be learned from the reason why somebody can't shoot an open hole, and it's it's not just someone; it's me too. It's every single player in the game. Um, and so my defense is not Bobby by any means, but I definitely picked apart the things that I loved about Bobby's defense and the knowledge and the feel that I learned from it to create kind of my own spectrum of how I block the goal. And it's really a, a game of, uh, a game of minds. And, and it's kind of weird when I play goalie, I feel like, because I, I'm such a forward, you know, I think this is a lot of things that a lot of goalies may not have that I do. And the reason why maybe I'm right now, at least getting good percentages is I, I am a forward, right? So. When I'm playing goalie and I'm playing defense, I can almost read my own defense as I'm doing it. And I can almost mm. know what they're going to shoot because I'm based on my own movements and based on, you know, their mindset, whether they're a, um, you know, repetitive player, whether, you know, what, what their tendencies are. I can take their tendencies. I can almost look at the person and kind of know what kind of player they are based off just their personality. Uh, a lot of people don't really realize you can do that, but that's definitely a huge thing. And, and then I take all that and then I kind of feel it, to be honest with you. I, I take all that and I put it into, I start moving my defense and based on what they've shot, based on what holes I'm leaving, how arrogant can I be? And, you know, I'm not always right, but I think I can read myself and that's what gives me the edge on people is I'm reading myself with you. So, <laughs> yeah, no, um, so, so what you're saying is you're using your own ability as a Ford, which is arguably one of the top, you know, best ever. And you're using that defensively, but you're also drawing from a deep well of your own knowledge and experience of the player base that you've been playing. Right. Wow. Okay. 
I don't think I have that in my toolbox, but I think that's really great that you do that. <laughs> that's fantastic. So I know Mark, I know has a question, but I've got yeah, one man. more for you. Let me. Okay, I just, just talk one, up all the time, one, dude. Just keep. Dude, talking, the, everybody. There yeah, was forty blah, blah, minutes blah, blah. of questions. Go ahead, dude. Forty minutes. Last one. It'll be quick. Please. So um, this is for for this is a question that's kind of for all the people out there that are plateaued, an expert, or plateaued, an amateur, or plateaued, or whatever. Like so, for you and in, in your career, Ryan, when as you moved on and progressed and got better and better and went up through the ranks, what, what were the aha moments for you? When did you know you could compete against this next group? Or like, what, what was your mindset there? Um, yeah, I heard, I was listening to you guys earlier and Jim really kind of hit the nail on the head on the plateau is there's always, there's always a plateau. It's a matter of when is it, how long is it? And can you get away from it? Um, I felt like I was an indestructible. I won, uh, Jim was, got to be there for it. I won the ITSF uh, Junior Singles Championship, the first one they had. That was a, a big moment for me because it was just on an international scale. All of a sudden, like, I, I, you know, I thought I was great, this and that. And I came from that, and I was already approaching master status at that point. Um, and I, I kind of, uh, I believe I, I, I've won several state championships. I became a master and then there was about a two year stretch where I didn't win any world titles or Vegas titles. And I would have called that time my plateau. Yeah. Um, and from that point I ended up winning 2010 um, world singles and ITSF singles in that same year. And from that point, it was just kind of a game back and forth. Like I said, like you've hit the top. Now, where do you go? Um, of you know trying super hard not trying trying super hard getting in my own head not getting in my head so yeah I, the thing mm -hmm. is about a plateau is 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 it's it's going to be that person the, that person's ability is going to be what gets them in or in, out of that i mean it comes down to just the mindset right if you, if you never give up you're always going to get better um if you if you plateau and you know it you're, you're satisfied then you're fine if you're not satisfied you're not hungry to get better you're not going to get better i mean let's be honest um, there has to be something that drives you, um, and most people don't realize how deep you have to go to get to the top. And then even once you get to the top, how deep you have to go to beat a guy like Tony. I mean, you've got to go into your soul to beat that guy. I mean, you got to sell your soul mm -hmm. to the devil to beat that guy. Um, you know, it's, uh, I didn't what, do what this. Is, <laughs> what does that mean, though? I like, like it. I like what, it. I like what does that, that mean? That's good. Like blood let, sacrifice, let me interject like some. Santeria. <laughs> Let me interject some history. I'm going to interject some history, then we'll go to you, Mark. Uh, 2007 is when Ryan won that junior ch uh, championship, the ITSF junior championship in St. Vincent, Italy. And then I th you're right. I think there was a period you had a couple of big wins. I remember a big win over Rob Mara's in Vegas, maybe 2008. Um, and then in, in 2009, I think when you really, when when we started to see you kind of come back to the, to 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 that upwardly uh, mobile uh, kind of position was in was in uh, the Netherlands when you finished second in open singles at the Tech Ball World Championships only losing to Fred on a table that was relatively unfamiliar to you but that's kind of when it all started again for you and then of course you went on and had that great 2010 but i just want to interject real mark that 2007 to 2009 is probably kind of that plateau era that that Ryan's talking about it's kind of sad for me because uh i walked away from foosball and like 0708 just walked away and didn't even look back for 10 years or whatever it was. I still remember Jim. It was like when you started dating Amy. So I missed this whole gap. All with your rise, Ryan, I missed it all. But it's been very exciting to see you play. I mean, see you come back and play. So it's funny I come back into foosball when you're really taking the time off. But 
Uh, what I want to get to is I, I appreciate that you're so open. You not all ma most masters are not open. As a matter of fact, many masters will give you some windy kind of like hide what they do kind of thing, and you don't really care. And I appreciate that. But so I want to kind of get into the nitty gritty of what we're looking at from the booth and open singles final, how we're interpreting it, and what the reality is for you. And so um, in brief, I watched Dave Gummison. I followed him around when he won open singles at the Worlds. I followed him around to like five matches. And it was, uh, for me, it was the most incredible two bar performance, but I followed him around. I didn't follow you around. I got to see what you did to Tony though in the finals. And what we're looking at is you're, you're, you're basically shooting a short split, like a second hole, like a tuck three quarter split. And you shoot a bank every once in a while. And you, you find these gaps in his zone. Now, Tony's uh, historically, he's got the best single zone around. And to see you torch his zone like that, like it was just really, it was psychotic. It was so good. It was crazy. And I guess I want to kind of ask you, is that what you were doing? I mean, is you're picking on a couple holes and shooting the bank every once in a while. The short holes like an option just to scare him off. What, what was happening, dude? What were you seeing in his zone? And uh, kind of talk about that. Well, I started shooting a shot on him, which is the long tuck middle, um, mm -hmm. and, and and I never really had that in my arsenal until lately. Um, and and I mean, I, I had it, but it was such a a, a um, how do I say a laborious or injuring shot on your arm that it's just not one that you really want to utilize uh, for a long event. So. You know, and, and it was funny because we even had conversations before that match and well before that match. How I was like, yeah, I'm just I'm really trying to win singles events for from the forward position because I got to save my arm this weekend. You know, coming back after two years, not playing an event, my arm's going to get destroyed if I go coming out here banging longs on the two bar. So I think that kind of set that up a little bit. Um, I never shot that hole a lot. Usually I go long on them. Um And uh, yeah, because of that hole, it was opening up a couple other ones. But really, I think it was just execution. I, I, I never really have that great of execution. I, I don't want to say that. I, I haven't had that good of execution against him where I was hitting holes that accurately. Uh, I was just really on you know, yeah. against him in both finals. Uh, usually, I'll shoot the short, and I'll hit the corner. I'll hit the wall. I'll shoot the long. It'll hit the corner. It'll hit the wall. I was just literally yeah. hitting the goal right where i wanted it almost every single time i, I don't think i misexecuted at all um so that i think was the big difference that's why it reminded me of dave gummison frankly and dave gummison was never able to do that again by the way he couldn't shoot like that again i would love to see you shoot like that if you can duplicate that and and it'll be difficult because when you could just dude if you could shoot like that with that kind of accuracy it's high risk too you're shooting a three-quarter basically tuck split if you misexecute that thing Tony's going to get plus one on you. That thing's coming back at you light speed. So very, very impressive and hoping uh, to see you duplicate that kind of performance. I think it's a generational shooting performance in open singles final, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, while we're on that topic, you know, since we're talking about Tony's game, you played in the finals against his protege, uh, Tommy Yor Jr. And uh, John, Tommy was on fire in the, pri the prior match. And then stepped up against you and Blake, and all of a sudden his his uh, his fire went out. So one thing I got to say, I observed. Now I'm a, a a beginner goalie. I love the playing that position, and I love watching your your technique. I noticed you did something, and it and it it seemed to really take apart his uh, his uh, philosophy, his shooting. 
uh, you pushed your your uh, two row all the way to the far wall. So you were blocking with, uh, with that second man, you were blocking his long, and then you used your goalie to kind of take away his middle and uh, the uh, the short haul. Am I am I correct on that? Yeah, it just really depend on depending on what part or what I guess what game of that match that we played them. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, that was the general idea behind him and actually most players that I play, depending on what their favorite side is. So are you are you you forcing a, a player like Tommy to go to dead bar on the the, the pole side? I mean, because there's no real no room there. Um, Maybe half a ball length when you've got your your two. Yeah, all good good luck. There's not. There's almost. There's no no players that are on the top that can consistently hit a dead bar pull side accurately. Right. So, so if they're going to go pull side and I'm posted, even if they only hit it fifty percent of the time, I'm still getting fifty percent. Got it. Yeah. He. I mean, he was his percentage was way down against you. Yeah. That that defense where you you post up on that near side, which I think we we first saw against Tony several years ago, and it really you know uh, was so successful against Tony. And I actually adopted that defense as I as I play here locally or when I play, I started using that defense. And basically, you're daring that guy to hit a dead man on you. Mm -hmm. And as you say, very few players at the top end, at the middle end, at the bottom end can hit that dead man near side. Um, and so if they do, you say good shot, right? Uh, otherwise, you're baiting well, and switching me, that split or that far side, and it's such a that, smart though. defense. Let me qualify that though, because then you're going to get a bunch of amateurs who are listening to this broadcast and go try to do that defense. Let <laughs> me warn you about something. <laughs> of you course, can get away no. with that. Yeah. If you're if you're Ryan Moore, you could probably get away with it because you no, know, there's uh, a lot of thought behind lot of, it. Yes, and there's head game too. There's a mental well, component. Like, you know, Mark. You know, like with the Lewis shuffle when he would do that fast shuffle, it wasn't just moving fast. There was mental stuff going on. Oh, he knew yeah, exactly what he, he was doing. He knew where he was going to end up. It, it's but the I'll same say, sort of thing. Some, some masters will get away with that against other masters. Now, if you go and try to post Tommy Yor, he has nine other shots, taps, yeah. other stuff. He's highly disciplined. Um, so, Tom, when you go use that defense, uh, <laughs> use it with a lot of forethought. Yeah, You're going to get destroyed. Yeah. Okay, get yeah. destroyed. Yeah, I think it's true. safe to say my DYP, it's not going to be a big deal necessarily. Yeah, no, true. But here's the thing, too, that occurs to me, right? You know, when we talk about the greatest players of all time, and you are certainly on the short list, Ryan. Um, but you're the only player who has won world championships like this year. You won four titles. You won two of them playing goalie. You won one of them playing forward and you won singles, which is basically forward. You have to be a great forward to win singles, but also goalie. You, you look at every other triple that's ever occurred at the tornado championships. No one else did that. No one else in the history of the sport has combined the ability. I don't think, I mean, Doug Furry, you can go way back in the day, great goalie, great singles player, great forward. But not like what you're doing, you know. When we, when we, when you're done playing, when we get ten years from now, when we look back on this second, third golden era of these great players, and we look at who we think are the greatest players, we have to factor in the fact that you have won championships at goalie and you've won championships at forward. I mean, no one else can do that. Do you take Do you take great pride in the fact that you are as versatile a player, maybe as we have ever seen, um, at the highest level? Do you take pride in that? Is that something you focus on? You know, we talked about you having fun at goalie earlier, but is it something you focus on and say, you know, I, I want to be a versatile, all-around great player and be good at everything? And you are. Is that something you take pride in? I mean, of course I take pride in it. I wouldn't say it's been a goal by any means. I think it's just something that kind of happened. Uh, again, we were, as we talked about earlier, just keeping the game fun, uh, creating new challenges for myself. So I, I'd say that's probably the driving factor of what's making me be so versatile is I don't want to just be good at 
something. I want to be good at everything. You know, <laughs> I want to be the best at everything. You know, I mean, obviously that, that, that may be a stretch, but, um, that's kind of the feel is, is, is I want to master every single aspect of whatever I do in life. Uh, so that would be probably the driving force more so than anything, but yeah, I don't, you can call me the modern age Todd, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, the guy, the guy can play both uh, forward and goalie. He's, he's won everything, I think, as both as well. I'm not but sure. But not in the same, I, not at the same event, though. That's the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, he, he came close back in uh, what 2016 when but, he, you know, he, you know, played goalie and finished second in singles, finished second in doubles playing goalie. But no one else has done what you did this year. But you can't discount the fact that I was playing Blake too. Um, and so if you take Fred, for instance, uh, if you pit Fred behind Tony at the world championships and he tripled, he would theoretically get the same exact title, uh, in a different way. So, um, yes, I played good in doubles. Uh, Blake, I think played great. Uh, you know, there was, there was maybe one or two matches that he played fair or good, uh, but definitely good enough to win, but he played great otherwise. Um, so I, I kind of hated it when people were giving me so much credit in doubles, like, man, you put up a wall, this and that. It's like, yes, it, you know, it's, it's the thing about playing with a top player. If you lose, it's all your fault. And if you win, it's all, it's all because of the top player. Um, but yeah, he played great. Um, so, you know, that's obviously a big part of this. Yeah, no, no question. And I, you know, that was on my list earlier, you know, focusing on Blake Robertson as being now. We we have to begin to think of him in those terms, right? As one of the very best players, as an almost all-time great player, perhaps eventually, as a future Hall of Famer. Uh, and we kind of forget. We think, oh, he, you know, Ryan's playing with Blake and Blake's a very good forward. No, Blake is a great forward. And we can't forget that. Yeah, I mean, look at it. He he almost won the year prior with with, with Todd. You know what I mean? So, um, and I think one thing that me and Blake have that him and Todd don't have is we got the vibe. You know, you hear us saying the stupidest things, and everybody's like, "Are these guys retarded, or or what's going on?" I mean, why are they saying hurricane? What is a hurricane? You know what I mean? <laughs> what are they talking about? He's freezing over. Everybody's getting you know stuck here. You know, nobody knows, and that's what's great. Everybody's like, "Are these guys stupid?" But me and him know exactly what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Uh, so we got this like very unique vibe where we're all out and we don't care what people think about us. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, Blake's you, you a mean great we player. Can, we can stop looking at both of you as like uh, hayseed y- yokels. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jim Stevens, did on. you just say that? No, you know, and because that's kind of what he was implying, but no question about it. And, you know, and that's the last thing. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to turn it over to someone else here, but, you know, the one thing you don't get enough credit for is how smart of a player you are. I always, uh, you know, when I watch you get it in front pin position when you're playing the forward position and you start walking it and working it. And it's always fascinated me because you take five, six seconds sometimes and your shooting percentage when you do that is like 80 or 90 percent. It's ridiculous. And you always seem to pick the right hole at the right time as you're walking that ball around on that three rod. As you're working it aggressively, tapping, boom, boom, back and forth. Uh, do you have specific things you're looking at with a defender, or, or you know, or do you just kind of have a this is going to set up that, that's going to set up this sort of approach, or are you, as I say, looking at specific things uh, and eventually deciding where to go? Uh, I'd say two things. I'd say more so that I'm not. The movements is more of um, a, a feel for where they're wanting to be or what they're what they're want, what they're thinking. Uh, I'd say that's probably the number one reason why I do it. Uh, or, man, let's put both of these reasons the exact same level. The second reason is sometimes I just really want to be aggressive. And that's for, that's a way for me to be very aggressive, to kind of like turn up the heat a little bit, to get them on their toes a little bit. 
make them get a little stressed. Um, so th- those are the two things. I, get them stressed, get me pumped. And then two is, yes, I'm getting a, a read uh, because when I do a special tap or like say I'm tapping, 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 and then all of a sudden an aggressive tap, well, they're going to go to where they want to be at, right? Mm-hmm. And now they have to think of the player, okay, he saw that. Is he going to go to the open hole now or is he going to still go to that same hole? And then I go to the same hole the very next time. Okay, well, he went to the same hole. Is he going to now go to the open hole because last time he went to this new hole? It gets deep. It gets really deep. And, right. and then the only player that's ever took me about, like what I just said was maybe two steps in the second time. With Tony, me and him, we've gotten about six steps in. And it's equivalent of like a chess match, right? You, you're pre-planning the way things are. You're basing things off the pass. Me and him have gotten about six in my mind, six steps in based off the pass. And after that game, we both looked at each other and we were like, we talked about that ball. And he was like, we both came to the exact same terms that the reason why I did what I did, what he did, why he did was based off of six steps prior. Wow. Um, so that's, that's yeah, that, that's the reason why. Is I, you know, I, I feel where they're going to be at and that's kind of where I go. That's that's phenomenal. And Ryan, you're, you're talking about something that is very, very, very high level uh, foosball, which kind of leads into my next question here for you. Uh, we talked about plateaus a bit ago. Um, and to all the players out there that are trying to get to the next level, the expert level, the beginner, whatever, the pro level. Is, is there is there something special about you or Blake or Tony is it something that's just like only a few people can ever have? Is it like the force? Is it like star Wars or can other people like, can they get there? And if they can, what would you suggest? Yeah. So, um, there is a, an aspect I think of natural ability that, that has to pitch you there, but there, there, there has been great players throughout time that has not been the all out best skilled player, but they get there and they still win. Um, I, I think what, pits us in this elite category is at some point in our life we have pit foosball ahead of everything and i mean like everything like every single day you think about foosball hell when i was going i I don't know this is not an accurate like um experience but like i'd go to the gas station a guy was going to pull into the parking lot so i pulled in before him yeah that's not the case but everything is somewhat related to foosball and you think about that well if that happened at foos, if this was a situation of foosball how would i handle it versus now i mean this is just maybe something that's with me but the, re- the reality is, is you you make foosball it's embedded in your life and it's embedded in your brain and everything is kind of around foosball and that's all mm. you think about you have to get your life yeah. and soul into it uh we any of these top players have done that um guaranteed at some point in their life foosball was number one uh, and and maybe even for a long time. So, you know, I, yeah, obviously I, you, can get better, you can get better without that, but that's what I think pits us in this kind of category. And I just have to follow that up because that gave me chills hearing that, Ryan. And, and you're right. And I think a lot of people don't understand that because that's something that I felt once a long time ago when I was playing and going up the levels, but also just in life in general, the different things that I've done. And I think a lot of people, for those of you out there that are listening, you could probably relate that to other things in your life that aren't foosball. If foosball is the thing you want to get into, because I can tell you, I can just tell uh, Ryan, based on what you're saying, what you're talking about, you're talking about this next level of, I mean, you're talking about pulling into a gas station and relating that to foosball. Is that what you said? Yeah. What, what could you yes, ex- extrapolate on that? that? Tell was us what not, that meant. I just want to say that was not an actual situation. I was just trying to fit something together and, and I can't always, I can't really remember. It's been a long time since this was the case for me, foosball has not been my number one for 
some time now, uh, ever since I started business, well, I would say. Uh, well, but, can I... Yeah, but but what I was meaning about that was, is I can relate everything in life to foosball. I mean, everything. It didn't matter what it was. It somehow got brought back to foosball. And that's how embedded foosball was in my brain. Um, you know, like, I, I like just for simple, simple games you play, Every, you know, this is a situation that happens all the time. Uh, not all the time, but like you're playing a game with somebody, you're playing just something else, and then it's the same kind of head game. Um, oh God, what would be a good, a simple, okay. simple way to put this? Um, I think he's gonna go left. Yeah, and he and he went right. You know what I mean? And and mm, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then you just play this back and forth game, and, and you relate it to foosball. I, I'm just saying, like foosball is embedded in you. Every yeah. every every decision you ever make. You almost relate it to foosball in some so way. True. Right. So true. I've got a, yeah. I've got no, a four-year-old. No, I'm, I'm driving down. I'm driving down the LA freeway, and I'm picking holes. I'm picking holes. You know where, where can I go over here? I'm going to bait the guy here. I'm going to act like I'm going here. I'm going over there. You know. Yeah. That. Exactly. That's that's a good that's a good uh, synonym or, or yeah that's that's a good yeah, no, uh, that is crazy. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know the analogy I would have is this, and this is where I think is true for. The, the foosball champions, the guys that are great at foosball, decided to hyper-focus on foosball. But I think and foosball is very unique, too, because there's an obsessive quality to foosball. Yes. Embedded in foosball, in this like fascination with the small little ball and all the nuance and detail that goes into execute. We don't even think about it anymore. But to execute a good shot, there's so much micro-muscle movement and so much discipline and so many things have to happen to, to, consistently. And it's a, it's a little weird analogy. But uh, think about um, think about if, you know, people that make these like uh, people that are into minute miniature detailing and that kind of thing. There's an obsessive fixated quality on the micro, like the minutia, almost like microscopy, which I deal with all the time. But it's like there's some kind of it, yeah. Well, micro, I work with microscopes, I right? My surgeons work with microscopes. But there's some the ophthalmologist. Interesting. The attention to detail. Well, let me get to the, my point. Blake Robertson, Tony Spredeman. Ryan Moore, who's showing it in other aptitudes, by the way, it's the whatever aptitude. As long, I mean, I'm not not to say that if uh, if um, Tony Spriderman wanted to be an NBA basketball player, he could have been. No, I'm not to say that. But any aptitude he could have hyper focused on and excelled at, he would have been great at it to at an elite championship level. Because if he if he wanted to put together motorcycle engines or if he wanted to do anything, he would have been great at it. And Ryan, same, uh, you know, kudos to you. But I think that. That that is a small curve. If we look at the world as a bell curve, there's like some one percent, or or maybe some five percent that can hyper focus and can excel at a, at a at a level that's above average. And so I think that's what probably combines these guys. They chose foosball. It's their fixation. It's the thing that they wanted to be great at, and so they were great at it. And I think that the for the rest of us, that's our burden. Our burden is can we. Can, if we wanted to arrive there, are we willing to make that sacrifice? Are you, Adam, willing to you're, give up everything? You're depressed. Why are you talking to me, dude? You're depressing. <laughs> you're, you're, I know. Well, dude, I mean, this is just. Yeah, I was going to get a table. Now I'm well, just going to get. Well, now well, I'm just going to get ice cream. Here's the, beauty, here's the beauty about foosball. There's still the seniors. There's still the classic events. There's still not. Oh the my god. Still... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to you, Adam. Storms are coming. Oh no, Mark! Why do you show up? It hurts. <laughs> I know that's my whole goal in life. <laughs> well, it's you're completed, man. Uh, we're speaking with Adam Gil, uh, Adam Gilson, uh, and Ryan Moore, actually. Yes, uh, on Foodstock Live on a Sunday night. Um, 
Uh, and uh, great question. Way to depress uh, Adam uh, a little bit. But I think what, what, what Mark and what Ryan are saying, it's just such a great point. I think it's it's something that's a common denominator with every great foosball player is, and Mark kind of said it, they, they selected foosball, right? They chose foosball. It was going to be something, right, Mark? It was going to be something, whatever it is, whatever they applied themselves to. Foosball just happened to land on their radar. Um, and foosball is such a complex, deep, multifaceted uh, sport. It really is. And you try to tell people that they don't always get it, but it, but it really is. And, and Ryan, you know, you said it early, you said you're, you're, you want to be great at everything you do. And right now that seems to be the case. You're, you're a great dad, you're a great husband, you're a great businessman, you're a great foosball player. Um, and, and really it, it, you learned that from foosball, didn't you? I've always said that for me, Foosball was sort of my martial art. It's where I learned about myself. I learned how to 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 compete. I learned how to to um, respond under pressure, and it's really influenced the rest of my life in in so many ways. All of us who have played foosball for a long time and played it at, at the highest level, like you have, uh, have allowed that and uh, in to to influence us in so many positive ways in our lives. And I think that's kind of what has been sort of a theme of tonight. Speaking with you, is it isn't just about foosball. It's about being excellent and it's something i want to teach my kids it isn't practice makes perfect it's 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 that traffic uh, pr practice creates growth towards excellence right mm. um and and that's kind of what you're what you're touching on here isn't it if it isn't foosball it's going to be something else but foosball has allowed you to look at everything through the lens of foosball and and strive for excellence yeah i think one of the biggest things too that i think most people um uh, i i think not necessarily fail at, but aren't at the best at is actually um, failing, right? Or losing or not succeeding, or even the thought of not succeeding or failing or losing. Uh, and foosball, I think, has taught me that as well. Like, uh, you know, there's always risky times in life. Well, it's not always, but I'm a very risky person. I, I take risks, I take big financial risks for potential huge gains. Um, and, uh, I'm okay with that. And if I fail and I lose, I'd never fail and I never lose because I learned something and, uh, long-term knowledge is more valuable than any dollar you can put on it. So that's one thing I think foosball taught me is, is when I lose a match, I know why I lost that match. And yes, I lost that match and I lost that tournament, but I gained that wealth of knowledge that I can take with me the rest of my life. And I apply that within everything. And I'm not afraid of losing because you know, I know that I can win. I know I can do it again. I know I can still succeed. I just have to, you know, figure out why. So I think that's maybe two big things as well. But yeah, football, I've related my whole life to football. Um, I, I dedicate my whole life to the game that, you know, what it gave me. Uh, I feel like I'm confident in life because I feel like I can win anything. I feel like I could be the best at anything. Uh, so yeah, foosballs gave me that and it may not give everybody that, but it's definitely uh, gave me, I think, a competitive edge in, in life over most people because of this little game. Ryan, I want to go back real quick to something you were just saying. Um, you, you do not, you don't define yourself as a person, as somebody that wins or loses foosball tournaments, right? You're just your own self. You're Ryan. If you go and you lose a tournament at the end of it, or you don't win a match, whatever, you're still you. Like there's no ego involved. You know what I mean? Like, does that, would that sound accurate? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I really don't enjoy the whole, people come up to me and say oh ryan Moore, like yeah, yeah it's not a it's not a thing for me I, I i don't take up to it well um i wish people would just call me by ryan and not ryan Moore. <laughs> yeah mm. you know it's, it's just one right. of those things though it kind of comes with it but yeah it's uh i do like being that normal person that's why i don't think i'd ever be a good famous person like if i was uh. actually truly famous i just 
I couldn't be famous because I, I just wouldn't know how to handle it. Um, I wouldn't be very good at it, I don't think, because most of the fam- famous people, they know they're famous and, you know, they, they act it. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say 100%. Yeah, I just, I just, I just asked that. I'm sorry, just, to, just, to, just to uh, follow through with the thought. I just asked that because your your sense of self isn't defined by what happens on the table, so your ego's not involved when you're playing, and and I feel like that that lets your mind get out of the way of your body doing what it needs to do when you play, which is yeah, why I'm asking that. When I'm playing, it may be a little different. I do, I do. Ego is not a bad thing. It's not a good thing at times. Right, right. It's not a bad thing. Um, you know, having a having an ego is what has let many players win this game. I mean, if you think of the greats, uh, even back in the day, like, like Horton uh, uh, or Tommy, uh, I mean, these guys were destroying people and guess what? I guarantee you their ego carried them through many championships and gave them many titles and probably made them lose too. But uh, you know, but yeah, overall, I definitely am not a very e- egotistical person, but on the table. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't want somebody to beat me. It may, it may hurt my ego a little bit, but not, just a little bit, just just a tiny bit. <laughs> but that's a good thing. You, you don't want to lose, and you don't want to. I mean, nobody wants to lose. Yeah, so. there's got to be a bit of that, right? Just a just a touch of humility every once in a while. For sure. that, yeah, that doesn't hurt. Well, you know, we've been uh, talking about the the micro uh, aspects of of this uh, this sport. Let's talk about the macro. Let's step back and take a a, a full look at thirty thousand feet here, uh, Ryan. So back in the day, you know, when this was really in its first golden age, even in the second golden age. Foosball was something that you could become as a professional, something you could do full time and make money at it. So, okay, we know that's unlikely right now, at least in this generation. So what do you say uh, for the next generation? How do you say to them, hey, guys, um, here's how we develop this sport to the point where you as an exceptional player can make make a living at this? How do we do that? Yeah, we, we kind of I think this was something we barely touched on the first time we talked and this would mm-hmm. like be its own entire conversation with you guys i think it, it gets very deep and to be honest with you i i haven't quite put the the mental capacity towards it because it, it does get very deep and I, I i don't consume myself with things unless i consume myself with things i don't really want to just be there and not be there if that i don't know if that makes sense no no i get you um you know, if it was something I jumped into, then it would be I'd be all in or nothing kind of guy. Sure. But what what is currently happening is the correct approach. The Foosball Club USA getting it in, into the schools. Mm-hmm. But there is such a higher, and I don't want to make this sound bad, but it has to be so much bigger for it to actually put a really big indention. And what we're doing or what they're doing right now is absolutely influential. Like the infrastructure of Foosball Clubs USA, it, what's happening right now is is absolutely has to be done right now mm-hmm. in order for it to be big in the future. But you've got to get sponsorship. And and what's cool is getting sponsorship into foosball is very difficult. We all know that. Oh yeah. But getting sponsorship into kids clubs that keeps kids off the street, puts them into something is not very difficult as long as you have the right business person to create an actual prospectus to show a large person investor exactly how we're going to spend their money, how we're going to execute it. Here's the, the top executives behind this nonprofit. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's what, what it's going to do for your company. Here's how it's going to be presented. This is something that I personally could, I, not easily, but I think that I could definitely go out. I could get a half million dollars. I can get a million dollars. Um, and, and But it, the amount of time that would need to go into it and mm-hmm. the amount of thought 
is, uh, you know, it's a lot. It's a full-time job. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So it, but it is, what I'm saying is it's possible. And I think it's, it's uh, 10 times more possible, 100 times more possible to get, uh, uh, you know, investment into Foosball Clubs USA than it would be to get investment into Foosball in general. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Foosball Clubs USA, uh, what they're doing right now, getting people involved, getting the infrastructure built, um, is is imperative. And then I think there has to be a very large donation of or, or influx of capital that has to be injected for ten years before you actually see a return on that investment. Right. And the return is going to be very minimal, but it will be there. Um, and my my big thing is I think you know if you have a hundred kids on Foosball Club USA, you may get five of them. Or you may get ten of them if you're lucky that'll actually convert into foosball players. Right. So yep. that has to be a very big model. And the biggest issue I think with foosball clubs USA is you don't have people like Sandy in Colorado, and you don't have people that are ready to put their heart and soul into it for free. Um, so what you have to do is you have to pay those people, and you have to pay them for their time. And I know it sounds bad, but at the same time, no. it's kind of the reality of things, right? It everybody is. has a value. Everybody has time. So that's what that influx of capital comes. If you start paying these people, you start incentivizing them, you start giving them pools of cash to actually be able to buy food for the kids or to fund some kind of, I don't know, trip or mm -hmm. whatever it may be um, that gets these kids involved. So you this infrastructure has to be by the tens of thousands of kids for it to actually pay off into the tour. And then you got to think when you're talking about kids, you're talking about what kids in elementary school or middle school high school high school high school as well mm -hmm. uh, i'm sorry i'm not that intertwined is, is that what's happening with foosball clubs right now is it mainly high school no i think it's a middle school i think that's where a lot of it's starting middle uh, school is like i think the sweet spot right yeah. yep um high school kids are already kind of getting their identity they're kind of you know going their own routes i think middle school is where kids may be a little more persuasive to go directions or to give them opportunity for them to be more open-minded to it yeah they're so, seeking you know, seeking uh, a, a level i think you know especially yeah. 12 13 years exactly. old you're trying to find an identity and uh yeah exactly so investing in those kids and doing it by the tens of thousands of kids and that will pay off so if you got you know 12 13 it's going to be a good 10 years before those kids are going to be able to convert into actual foosball players before they're over 20, you know, 21, 22. Right. Um, you know, even eight, I mean, at, at best, I mean, and sure those kids could come in right away and then it gets tricky. And again, I, I don't want to get too deep into it because um, you know, it, it starts getting tricky and every route may not be the right route. And there's, you got to think really deep in this stuff before I really spit this out. But the, then there's the question of whether or not you separate the kid tournaments from the adult tournaments. And I don't have an answer for you because I haven't mm. got to think really, really deep into it. No. Um, but you have to, you know, figure out what's best for both tour players and kids at the same time uh, and financially what's best. So, again, there has to be a big business model. It has to be made. It has to make sense. There has to be salaries. There has to be budgets. Um, and it has to be very high level thinking to actually make this thing really blow up like like china blow up sure, uh, but it sure. can happen it can happen with you know uh over 10 year time say 10 million dollars um and i know that sounds like a lot of money but at the end of the day it's really not if you don't make it a lot of money and that may sound funny too but uh, you know i feel like i can raise 10 million dollars in, in a couple weeks in my industry sure um you know so that's that's the thing a million dollars a year is, is i don't think too impossible to find it's uh, um, it's so, it's it's all about uh, also uh, media and promotions. I mean, you've really got to get the word out. People need to hear about this. It needs to be a big deal. The thing it, it is is that's one hundred percent correct. I think for more for foosball side, but 
yes, that company, there's companies that will donate this. Obviously, we all understand it's a tax write-off for these guys, but they'll do it because, every, you know, like my company that I'm creating right now, it's allocating 1% of all profits go to charities. Mm, okay. I'm kind of blow the, the you know, the, the, the torch on this, but yes, we're planning on some of this going to Foosball Clubs USA. Sure. Um, and so... You know, there's companies that have this embedded into their system already. They're going to donate money no matter what. It looks good. They can put it on their website. They can say they're helping kids. And think about how many kids, you know, Jesus Christ. I mean, there's sure. thousands of kid companies out there. I yeah. mean, it's just unlimited. I mean, you, if you approach a thousand companies with a very well built out plan, you're going to get 10 grand, 50 grand. I mean, like, seriously, this money comes fast from these huge companies. It's nothing. Yep. Um, and, and, but it's just taking the person to do it. Um, it's donating the time it's, you know, having the mental capacity behind the business plan. There's a lot to it. Uh, and I would love to tell you that I can do that right now, but, uh, I can't, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. it's actually going to be a good thing. You know, like, uh, you know, it's like, if I focus on that now, I would only have a little to give. Whereas if I focus on my company now in five years from now, I could have a lot to give. You know, so it's, it's, um, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing game, but there, there's, a, like I said, this could be its own conversation. I can go on forever about sure, this, uh, sure, but sure. what's happening right now is absolutely 100% the direction that it needs to go before it can get to the direction that I'm saying it needs to go. No, it's, uh, it, it, we want to see that stair step. We want to see it like, uh, when you're in, in, uh, grade school, high school, uh, and you want to become a pro tennis player, you can see the steps you got to take, you know what you got to do. You know, you, you know, right. the, the dedication that needs to come from from early on in your career to get to where you want to go. And of course, you need a sponsor and, and you need people to uh, to believe in you, too. But with foosball, you don't see those steps. There are like no steps at all. Right. And you also got to give them a reason too, right? I yeah. mean, like, like, again, I haven't thought too much about it, but you're kind of putting me out there. You got to give them a reason. Why do they want to be the best? So this a lot of this is going to kind of fall into the hands of the ITSF right now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how can we make this thing, you know, worldwide where it's actually recognized and people understand? I mean, obviously, the Olympics is what everybody goes to. Um, is it possible? Of course. But how mm -hmm. and when? You know, I mean, so there's got to be even a more of a reason. And, and, you know, a lot of times when people have so many questions that don't have answers, they just give up. But it's again, it's a very deep mentality of thinking about how to make this happen. So uh, same thing with the sport in general. I mean, there is a very deep mentality that has to go in, in there to actually plan all the directions you have to go to make it perfect and this is just a brainstorm but if if i were to ask you for the near future if we could get to you on a, on a panel with several other people to talk about this on air how we strategize together and get this to happen uh, would you be willing to do that yeah yeah of course um I, you know i have no problem with that whatsoever uh okay. it's 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 definitely an open oh i'm an open discussion kind of guy I, uh definitely don't want to say i'm always right because uh, i'm not oh, sure. but um I, 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 yeah, I think I think that there's there's definitely got to be some some minds that come together and a lot of people that have to execute to to make it happen. Sure, let's make it happen for sure. Let's let's uh, let's put together some some consortium of people like yourself who uh, who have something to say and and uh, can can add uh, some positive uh, uh, input into how we go how we move forward and make this happen. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And we've really run the gamut tonight. We've covered several things, uh, certainly talking about your great performance, but also showing that uh, that you're more than just a foosball player. You have an awareness of, uh, of what really needs to happen uh, on a worldwide uh, focus as far as foosball is concerned. And, and Ryan, always entertaining. You know, this is the second time we've had you and the second time we have really reached pretty deeply into into several different topics. I know we've, we've got about uh, eight minutes left in the show, and I'm sure these guys have a few more questions for you. But I just want to let you know how much we appreciate you, uh, not only as a player, 
but as uh, as far as being a, a true foosball man yep. uh, and and how much uh, you care uh, about what happens in the foosball world foosball world so thank you very much uh, from me no no problem jim thank you buddy as well we, we appreciate everything that you and, and your team has done hey ryan you've grown on me dude Super hard. Dude, super hard. I've had, I don't know if honestly, it's a good thing though. Is that a good thing or no? Because that means we'll talk to you more often. Uh oh. No, no, well. No, but someone but I'll tell you this, dude, seriously, at the worlds, I won't say who, someone tried to tell me that you were a bully. And I said, Look, man, what you gotta understand what? is Ryan is like me. He's a big old kid. Ryan's a kid like me. And once they started looking at you through the lens of a kid. I turned someone else to like you too. Now you have two people that like you, bro. Okay, awesome. two yeah. people. Oh, so just a heads wow. up, dude. Well, I, I couldn't tell in the finals against Tony. I still, I, I don't know how that guy always gets the favorite in the crowd, but it, it just—I think it's because <laughs> I put his body for so long. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, if you're gonna be the bad guy, dude, you're gonna carry the villain for a long. By time. the way, man, that <laughs> was a match. Now you've yeah. played in a lot of big matches in your career. Where does that one rank as far as as great matches? I mean, for those of us covering it, for those that were there in attendance watching it, people watching it live around the world, people people who have downloaded or, or watched it at InsideFoods.com, where does that match rate uh, as far as the great matches of your career? Yeah, I'd say uh, top three. And and um, I think the reason why, too, is like if you actually – I mean, you guys obviously watched it. The first match was back and forth, back and forth. In the fifth game, I'm, and I'm almost – Hundred, I'm like ninety nine percent positive. I had him three zero in the fifth, yeah, and no, nobody so. really talked about that. Nobody talked about that. I had him three zero in the fifth, and I choked. I choked. I'm a hundred percent honest guy. I choked. I was like, I'm about to win the world championships. Now I've been in this situation a thousand times, right? And where I'm mm -hmm. like, you're you're about to win and you lose, right? And, and I think we've all heard of this and talked of this. Um, and I, I I know it, so I thought it, and I was like, oh, I know it. But guess what? It happened. It really mm -hmm. did. It happened. And, and I choked. And after that match and after I lost, I was like, okay, okay. I went back to the room and uh, I, I went to the vet and I was like, I'm just going to be honest. I, I choked. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it mm -hmm. wasn't for any reason except for the fact that I knew I was about to win. And I was just like, you know, so I, I went back to the drawing board. I think the reason why I put it in my top three the most is because when I went back up there and I talked to her, um, you know, I was just like, God, you know, I feel like I was playing good. Like, you know, I am playing good. I'm not playing bad. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, I, have my chances I, I i'm i'm leading most of the time um i was like i just i really got to prove myself again like i it's been a while since i proved myself the last time i won was 2014 in singles i've got to i've got to prove myself more than in just foosball right now this is I, you know i got a lot of big stuff going on in business right now i'm raising an, an incredible amount of uh, of team members and money and and, and I'm, I'm trying to go on a nationwide play with my company and like th this, this is bigger than foosball. Again, we, it's like this is. I got to prove that I can do anything that I want to do, and I got to prove that I can beat him. I got to dig deeper than I've ever digged before, um, because that's the, you know the kind of the route. And that's that's what I did. I went back down there, and he had me three zero in the fifth. And uh, you know, I, I was it was it, it was a very weird situation. I wasn't I wasn't in defeat. I wasn't like, come on, you got to come back. I, you know, I ended up doing a pass that slopped in, and then I had this weird thought. I was like, man, if I get this next one, I I, I have a chance, and I got the next one. And then it, he had me 4-2, and then I was like, if I get this next one, I, I kind of have a chance. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was just that game all the way until I came back and won 8-6. Um, but, yeah, no, I think the reason why I put it in my top three is because of how deep I had to really dig emotionally, mentally, 
you know, I, I told you I had to sell my soul to the devil. People don't realize how good Tony is. I mean, people do yeah. realize, but it's beyond. You think he's good because of his titles. You don't. You don't know he's good because of how smart he is and how consistent he is. And and you got to yeah. dig deeper than you ever dig to to try to beat that guy. Yeah, it, it, it takes it takes one to know one, right? It takes one to know one. You're you you recognize that in him. And I've had several people tell me that that was that match was played and maybe the highest level that any match has ever been played, you know, between you two guys. And so it was an incredible pleasure for, for Mark and Adam and I to commentate it. An incredible pleasure for people to watch it. And it had to be, had to be a lot of fun for you, for you as well, especially since you came out on top. Yeah, that's the best part. And the coolest part is I won on a John Wayne. That's by far the best part. <laughs> yeah. <of all>. yeah. <laughs> it will go down in history as a world championship shot, no matter what anyone says. That's awesome. <laughs> So, uh, Adam, did you have any other questions you want to ask uh, Ryan before we uh, wrap this up? Well, I don't know. I, I, I just, I was just curious, Ryan. You know, but before your um, was it the the singles the singles finals match that open? I, I don't know what it is. I, mean, I know you're a family man now, and you you got a you couple kids. I, I've got a kid myself, and it really kind of changes you. But I'm just curious. I know that. Um, um, your 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 son had a little bit of an accident, a fall in the bleachers or something before one of your finals matches. And of that. course, yeah. he was yes. he was okay. It was a, like a mouth injury or what, and those always look worse than they really are, kind of a thing. But like like you're talking about playing foosball again at this level that none of us have really ever been at ever, and then you have this family event happen. Like, how do you steal yourself? Like, how do you come back from that? Yeah, um... hey, he's asking. Uh, do you love your son? More than you love football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's kind of what happened. So my niece and that, or my nieces, both of them, um, they took my, you know, I think at the time he was 21-month-old kid into the bleachers at the tournament, which, A, when he sees me, he's going to be screaming for me, going dad down in the middle of the match. How good is that going to be? And, B, he's a baby or toddler in the bleachers. I mean, that's that's scary, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I had no clue what was happening. I heard thump, thump, and I looked back, and I saw – you know, my niece's face looked like, like she saw a ghost. And I was like, and then I heard him cry and I was like, you've got to be shitting me. So yeah, obviously right. I ran over there. I saw him, you know, he's all his bottom of his chin's all cut up, uh, you know, bleeding out of his mouth quite heavily, actually. Yeah. I didn't see any teeth missing or nothing. So yeah, I was definitely shook. Um, my sister came and helped right away and they got blood and then I had to let him go. The kids like, you know, holding him and the kids screaming and crying and, and here I am. I have to let him go. And he, you know, and I'm, he's like looking at me, screaming, holding his arms out. I was like, yeah. I was like borderline. I, I wasn't borderline. I had tears in my eye. Like Jesus Christ, this is this sucks. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have to leave my kid, and you know, but I, what am I going to do? Like stall out the entire finals match? They were ready to play, you know. And I'm, my sister obviously had him in hands. And then I told a vet. She was in the bleachers. She didn't even see what happened, and she went to the room just to make sure he was okay. And and yeah, so I I, I was funny because uh, this Jim will relate. I don't remember what I was. I was shook. I was really shook mentally, and I was just like, "Come on, figure out how to get out of this." And then Jim, I don't remember what you said to me, but you said something before the match, and in, in, in a jokingly way, and I said something very nasty back to you in a jokingly <laughs> way. But it it it, uh, it shook my mind to where it made me at least like laugh, and it, it allowed me to go, "Okay, come on, you know, he's gonna be fine, you know, get back yeah. in it." So well, I, I came at you from a, the perspective of a father as well, and and what you were having to go through there. Uh, and, and you took it well and you did come back at me a little bit, but I thought it, it, it worked out well uh, for both of us. Uh, so <laughs> what did you say? I, it, I, it doesn't matter what I said. It was nasty and, and, and <laughs> maybe a little rude, but 
I, I did um, not take it as either, though. I did not take. I took it as totally, totally in stride. So Talk about inside foos. Yeah, right. This is the- <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew we'd get to the family aspect tonight. I knew we'd do that. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, no, hey, Ryan, uh, this time has flown by. You know, we're right up against a, a deadline here. Uh, it's we we need to sign off. But man, it's a lot of fun. This is the second time we've had you, and both times have been so insightful, so interesting to see inside the mind of one of the great players who has ever played the game and a guy still on top of his game, especially after that performance in, in Dallas so or in uh, Lexington. So uh, thank you so much again for, for joining us here tonight. Yeah, no, thank you all. And uh, yeah, I thought I was retired, but I guess I'm not now. So. <laughs> guess not. <laughs> guess not. Well, Ryan, thank you. I mean, we're, we're so grateful for you taking the time. And of course, you've got a very busy life, but we're looking forward to speaking to you again and especially about some ideas as to how do we uh, – how do we make yeah. this whole thing uh, work out with a with a nice forum? And we'll we'll put that together and let you know. Yeah, cool. we'll, great we'll work, see buddy. we'll see you at Colorado State, man. There you see go you over there. Are you going to Colorado State? <laughs> uh, I actually plan on it. Yes, uh, wow. I've already I hooked up with. Uh, I'm not going to Louisiana or Michigan or anywhere else, but I have obviously my company in Colorado still. So I'm kind of making it a company trip as well because I need to get out there again. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just hooked up with Terry Rue. So me and Rue are going to do oh, it. Cool. And, nice. Oh, yeah. boy. Wow. Awesome. Are you playing Nets? I am playing play Nets. Nets? Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. And, uh, I, I think, uh, me and him are going to be pretty fired up and having some fun. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll see how that goes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a little bit more difficult because I'll have, I won't have my family to watch our kids, but we'll, we'll, we'll make do. Sure. Wow, that's yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, good luck. That's super. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks again, Ryan, so much for being on Foodstock Live. It's, it's an absolute honor having you on, and uh, we're looking forward to our next conversation. Uh, guys, you've been uh, listening to Foodstock Live. Uh, we want to make mention that uh, Shooting the Shot is coming up again on Tuesday at 5 o'clock as a download on foosballradio.com. Here's a quick preview of what you're going to be hearing. Inside Foos and Foostalk Live proudly present Shooting the Shot with Clay Toomey. Tuesdays. All right. Well, I'm Adam Gilson. Uh, I've been playing foosball for about 20, well, all my life, really, because my folks, uh, they're involved with tournament soccer back in the 70s. My dad, Terry Gilson, my mom, Rosario Gilson, were involved uh, with Lee Peppard doing that. So I'm second generation. And um, I started touring in 99 and uh, kind of reached my height in 2005 and then uh, got out of it in 2006 or seven because of uh, mental, emotional issues, health issues and stuff like that. And um, recently got back into it again because, you know, I was really firmly believing in what um, Inside Foos was doing. Always been a big fan of Jim Stevens. Yeah. And Mark Torres has always been a good friend of mine, even though long periods of time have gone that we have chatted, Mark and I. But, yeah. like, he's always just been there for me. Yeah. You know, we both were like, uh, uh, I would call it an aimless party boys in our 20s and 30s and stuff. But I was like, this is this is the guy that I'm going to talk to because he had got married by that point. We can talk football, talk by the way. You. We can talk about any damn thing you want to talk about. Let me say one. Let me say two things. For one thing, I deeply respect the stuff you do here. I love how you talk to people. And you know this. I've told you this. <laughs> but I just want everybody else to know you are so good. Shooting the shot with Clay Toomey. This Tuesday with Adam Gilson. Find it on Podbean or Foosball Radio. Foos Talk Live is a product of Inside Foos, all rights reserved. Brought to you in part by InsideFoos.com, Protectoflex, Rodlock, 
518 Prince, Foosball is the Movie, the USTSO, and Foosball Clubs USA. Tune in again next week for another episode of Foos Talk Live. In the meantime, we'll see you foosin'.